Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello. Welcome to Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast, episode 72. I am your host, Bethany. And today's episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Today's Patreon guest is, I want to say Becca the Librarian, like it's a like it's a title. <laughs> but I know that it's just Becca. Yeah, hi. <laughs> yeah. uh, you could Becca the Librarian works for me. That that's good. That's like your title. Me. That's yeah. your. There's a lot of yeah, very distinguishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how how are you doing today, Miss Becca the Librarian? I'm good. I'm excited. This is this is so exciting. Oh my goodness. It's very exciting. Yeah. Tell tell everybody about um, your journey with Marissa Meyer, how you how you found her books and everything. Well, I mean, I'm a librarian. I know I knew the books, and like when you look on the shelf, they take up a, a big chunk of the shelf, don't they? They do. They do. So, and I use them a lot <laughs> for displays because the covers are just they're so pretty. I love the they covers. Are. I mean, the new ones are great, but I'm so attached to the old ones because I constantly put them out for display and this is even before I was a huge fan um so I knew about the books um and this is a little sappy story but it's it's why these books are sentimental to me um so I was obsessed when I read the Lunar Chronicles properly uh when was this back in February 2019 um I read I read them. I listened to them. I was reading fan fiction. It was awesome. And, oh, I was finding art on Pinterest, which is awesome as well. Um, I really related with the characters, I think, was the biggest thing for me. Um, during this time I was reading this books, I was actually pregnant with my third son, Zach. Um, Zachary decided to come four weeks early. And he Oof. was, yeah, which is not bad. Like, my first son's actually five weeks early. I was five and a half weeks early. Oh, were so. you? Did you have yes, spent any time was, in the NICU? I did. I spent my first yeah. eight months in the NICU. I was like <gasps> no four way. pounds when I was born. Oh I my was goodness. really little. Yeah, oh, my mom said she could put me in her through. hand like a like a she said I looked like a little tiny puppy. You could just hold me in one hand. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's that's even worse than what I went through. And I, I it was so awful. <laughs> I wouldn't put it through anyone. My goodness. Um yeah, Zach was he was pretty big. I think he was about six pounds. That's almost um, but, average, right? Yeah, it's about average. And for four weeks early, that's really good. Um, but uh, he had some difficulty breathing on his own because it was very traumatic birth for him. And um, then he had what the doctor suspected to be seizures. And I know oh. you've had seizures. You've talked a lot about it. Um, yes. Yeah, I actually had epilepsy. I wasn't diagnosed well. until I was um, 14, though. My parents thought I was just a little slow. Oh, really? I would have... I would have little tiny episodes where I would like fall and no one would know how or why I fell or someone would talk to me and I would just stare off into space. And so my parents always thought like, well, she's just a little slow. Um, And when I was 14, I had like an actual grand mal seizure. I totally freaked my mom out. And they were like, so I had to go to all these doctors and I got diagnosed and they were like, yeah, you, uh, you guys really never noticed anything. And they were like, Oh, um, actually, (laughs) My dad said they were quite relieved because they thought maybe I was going to have like a really rough go of college and stuff trying to, <laughs> yeah. trying to figure everything out. It's so scary. I mean, like, you know what it's like to go through them. And mm-hmm. as a parent, it's terrifying. I mean, I, I've had 
epilepsy, I had epilepsy for a little while as well. So I know what was going through and it was, it was really scary time for me and it was really stressful. Um, hang on, where was I? And, uh, yeah, so the doc, we were in and the doctors thought he had seizures. So we were actually sent to sick kids in Toronto, um, which isn't too far from me, but it's far enough. And, um, yeah, this is stressful. We were staying at Ron McDonald house in Toronto, which is great as well, but it wasn't my own bed and it came with, um, different set of sort of problems. Um, I, I couldn't sleep and, you know, everyone needs sleep, even just a little bit. I couldn't calm down enough to sleep. I was just so worried all the time about, um, about my baby. And uh, I have two other kids, so I knew exactly what no sleep is like. But this is like a different anxiety, sort of, I can't sleep. Um, but then I actually downloaded Winter. By this time, I'd known the stories really well. And I just remember feeling so calm listening to a story that I had just come to know and love so well. And it was that that finally made me sleep, which was amazing. I mean, I only got a few hours of time, but it was, it can save me from going completely nuts. Um, and then in the nighttime, uh, my husband sort of take the day shift and look after Zach and I would take like the night shift. So it'd be three in the morning and there'd be nobody there except for the nurses, obviously, and me, and I would read to Zach. And I read Stars Above to him because I thought it's like short stories that we could go through together. And um, so the first book he ever heard was Stars Above. So it's... I think that's so lovely. Yeah, so I have like this it's sentimental... It's heartwarming experience that you have with these stories. Yeah, they, they honestly, they really helped at a time when I really needed it. Um, I got my husband to listen to them as well. And he listened to Renegades. He, cause he listens to it on the, um, the audio and he loves it as well. And my, my sons, it's so, so funny to get my sons to calm down at night. We play them something like we'll play Harry Potter or, um, Cinder. He laid love listening to Cinder because the first bit, you know, they'd go ashes, ashes, you all fall Aww. down. So they, they all like, they all sing that. And then, um, we turn it off and say, okay, guys, time to sleep now. And so that sort of helps them sleep as well. So we've sort of made like a whole family affair now. They all know about, all of us know about Marissa Meyer's books. I love that. Yeah. So it's to tie it into the podcast. Um, I, <laughs> I, I came, I, we, he got the clean bill of health. He's healthy baby. Um, and it turned out they weren't seizures, which is amazing. Um, and he, I came back home. We we're back in our routine. And I was thinking, I really want to go back to these books and honor them in the way I want to honor them. And I found your podcast. And uh, yeah, you do such an amazing job of honoring these books. That means so much to me. Thank you. So do you remember how you found the podcast? Yeah, I think I just did a search. I just did a simple search on Lunar Chronicles in, I think it was Apple, in the Apple podcast. And that was it. I've listened ever since. Been your, I like to think of me myself as your northern cheerleader. I think so. <laughs> you know what's funny? is The whole reason I started the podcast was because I spent like two years searching for a Lunar Chronicles podcast and never found one. And my husband convinced me to just go and make one myself. I'm so glad he did. So I think it's wonderful that you found one by searching for it yeah. because it's like it came full circle. Like someone yeah. else got to have that experience. That is, yeah, that's awesome. It is. I'm just, I'm so pleased and I'm so happy with everything that you've done with it. it. It's really great. Yeah. I'm so glad that, that people enjoy the podcast and stuff. I got an email from a mom a couple months ago that the 
quarantine has been really hard on her daughter and that I'm not going to say who it is, obviously. Right. But the getting to be a patron, a Patreon member and getting to participate with everything on Instagram and listening to the podcast and finding other podcasts has really helped her deal with like being lonely and depression and things like that. And I felt so special to get to be a part of people's lives in such a such a big way considering all I do is ramble on about books. <laughs> no, it, it is. It's wonderful. And, and especially with the Instagram, um, uh, the lockdown was hard for me as well. I was home with the boys and I was trying to do homeschool and everything. And the Instagram, our chat, it just, it really was a great way of escaping. And it was a lot of fun. Everyone's really, really nice on it. And um, we all listen to each other's opinions. And I think it's just... It's really, it helped me a lot too. It really did. So thank you. Again for that. It's lovely. Sometimes I don't, um, sometimes I don't have a chance to look at it and I'll go and it'll be like 40 messages. And I'm like, I'm just going to read well, through I'm this. An hour ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I no, I'm, I'm an hour ahead um, of everyone else. Cause I think everyone's on the, um, the West coast and I'll be like, it'd be like three in the morning. And I'm like, why are people writing? What are you doing? Aren't you in bed? It's like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's, it's not unreasonable time for them. I mean, I miss out on really good conversations. Like, damn it. Come on, guys. Don't do it at a time when I can't do it. <laughs> right. And by the time it's, I want to message back, they've moved on yes. to like three different topics. So it's like, well, I'm, I missed the boat, but here's what I think. <laughs> I've done that a couple times things. too. Like, I want my opinion to be heard. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also like a, an early person. Like, I'm usually in yeah. bed by 10, yeah. if not way earlier. <laughs> A lot of my classes get out at like 8, 8.30 and I'll get done with class and I'll just be like, what am I really going to do for the next hour? Are you going to actual physical classes? No, no, no. They're all online. So I just, you know, by the time I get done being in class, if it's already 8.30 at night, it's like, yeah, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah. But here lately, because of my husband's work schedule, I've actually been going for runs after class. So I get out of class, I go for a run and then take a shower and go to bed. So it's like... I'm pretty much asleep by like nine nine. Uh, yeah, that's my dream. Night. I I um I <laughs> it does yeah. help not well, have I mean kids, they're pretty I good. Guess. They're asleep early, but now that my husband's doing evenings, I don't I don't see him. And it's usually him going, Okay, Beck, you're tired, go to bed and I'm like fighting it. No, no, I'm not tired. But he's not here to tell me to go to bed. So I've been staying up and I've been nodding off in front of the T V and I'm like, I should go to bed now and <laughs> And it's like 11 o'clock and I'm, I'm falling asleep on the couch and I just, I, I can't bring myself to get up. I'm just so, it's, it's awful. I, I, I didn't realize how bad I was until he wasn't around. I'm like, oh, I miss him. <laughs> I miss him in the evenings. It's hard. Oh yeah. I've got a sleep aid because, uh, well, I have what my mom calls awake syndrome. I'm not sure what it actually is, but I have a lot going on. Yes, you do. And... I have like uh, every morning when I wake up, I have my cup of coffee. I sit outside with the dogs and then I make like my list of what I have to get done before I can go to bed. And I mean, it's literally like if this doesn't get turned in by midnight, you fail. Oh my gosh. So, you know, there's not, it's, I'm not just putting random stuff on there. Um, but every once in a while I'll put like an extra thing on there thinking I have time to get more done. And before I had like a good enough system, I would just put everything on the list, whether it was due that day or not. I was just like, I got to get this done, this done, this done, this done. And I was driving myself absolutely mad. Yeah. And I would try to go to bed and then I'd be like, well, 
you know, I really need to get this done and I also need to get this done and then this also has to get done. And then I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'd just be like obsessing about all of the things that I didn't get done that day. Yeah. And it was horrible. It was horrible. And it was driving my husband nuts. So, cause he would be trying to go to bed and it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm doing laundry and oh the dishes goodness. and he's like, seriously, you know? So, and he even told me, he's like, I mean, I'll just buy underwear if they're dirty at this point, just go to bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, we'll order a pizza if we run out of dishes and food. Like, I don't care. <laughs> so I got, um, these lovely sleeping pills, uh, and I just take one and, um, they don't necessarily help me fall asleep. But they help me stay asleep. Okay. Ish. Um, I'm still very sensitive to the dogs, so like if the dogs wake up, I wake up. But like if my husband comes in there, I don't even notice him, so he must not be as special. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But like Scamp, um, which big thank you to everybody on Patreon who's been super supportive. Um, Scamp had pancreatitis and had to go to the emergency room which if you guys don't know the emergency room for dogs is like ridiculously expensive yeah um I've paid that but it was like nine o'clock at night and it was a holiday and our vet was closed and we didn't know what to do and um ever since he got home because he's doing much better thankfully ever since he got home he's been very clingy of course and he hasn't been wanting to sleep in his own bed he's been wanting to sleep with us um, which the first couple nights I was like, okay, that's fair. We did ditch you for two days with people who like put you in a kennel, which you haven't been, he hasn't been in a kennel in like five or six years. And then I know they gave him like needles and stuff. He wouldn't eat. Like it was horrible. I totally get it. I'm like, yeah, sleep with us. It's fine. But then it's like the do other dog has to get in the bed. Well, the other dog is much bigger. <laughs> and so it was just taking so much sleep away that I was like, yeah, you guys have to go back to sleeping in your own beds. This is not working. <laughs> Yeah, I have little boys who try and sleep in our beds because I, I actually sleep in, I have a mattress in front of my son's crib because he'll wake up in the Ooh. night and he'll just want his dummy. And honestly, I've just realized it's so much faster. What is a dummy? A dummy, like um, a pacifier. Mm. Yeah, just a pacifier. Okay, did not know that um, that was what they were called. So I was like, Ooh. Yeah, dummy. <laughs> well, John called him them a da when he was a baby. And so we've always called them does and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but <laughs> we call them does in our house. So um, if he loses it in the night, he freaks out. So um, I just found it easier to sleep in a mattress in front of the bed and just pop it in his mouth. I just roll over, pop it in his mouth and then I can go back to sleep. Cause if I have to get out of the bed, go over to his room, put it in his mouth by that time he's up, he's standing up. It's harder for him to go back to sleep. So I sleep right in front of him. And honestly, I'm dead to the world. The sooner, as soon as I hit, the pillow I'm done because I'm just exhausted. that's how my husband is when it's time for him to go to sleep he, his head hits the pillow he goes to sleep he's out yeah it, I, I think... and I can't I'm like that sometimes like if I'm really exhausted yeah I'll, I'll sleep really well but um I just have always been a really light sleeper I I and the, the dogs make it worse you know every once in a while they decides he just absolutely has to go outside at three o'clock in the morning and oh most of the time I can go back to bed, but sometimes by the time he gets done, because you have to get dressed and everything, so by the time he gets done, I can't go back to sleep. And it's like, well, I might as well do things and be a productive member of society. And so Not I get at 3 o'clock in the morning, you don't. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone, unless they're working, needs to be doing anything at 3 o'clock in the morning, unless it's watching TV. And yeah, there's not much more. 
I can think of. Well, you know, sometimes I read a book. Mostly I read books, right? Because I'm not a big TV person anymore. I'm I'm more of a book person. Um, but <laughs> I I will say that the dogs being in the bed is slightly my fault because my husband is military and sometimes the military makes him leave me for months on end. Yeah. So that makes sense. I'm not going to sleep in my bed by myself when I have dogs. So yeah, I do the same thing. If he's gone, they're in the bed yeah. and then they have to get used to sleeping in their own dog beds again. Yeah, I did that with my dog too. Percy um, came into our bed because I invited him when my husband was working nights. And now he's not allowed on the bed yep. at all. It's like, nope, sorry, dude. You can't come on at all. <laughs> well, they have, they're pretty good about staying in their dog beds. And they have blankets. Yes. Do you put them on? I do. Well, yeah. so Scamp actually does get very cold. He's got very light fur. Um, and he's a very lean dog. He's probably the only person in this entire house who's not chubby. Um, so he actually needs his blanket. And if you don't give him his blanket, he will be an absolute, just, he's a little scamp, right? He yeah. lives up to his name. So cute. Beowulf, Beowulf does not need his blanket, but it's our way of signaling to him that it's time to go to bed. Okay. So if you put the blanket on him, he knows, okay, it's bedtime. I'm not supposed to get up. Okay. Scamp doesn't like being cold. Scamp needs his blanket. We um, took them to stay with a friend of ours a couple years ago because we were going to my father's for Christmas. And we were gone three days, and I forgot Scamp's blanket. And I felt so bad. And Quentin was like, the only person who cares about that blanket is you. It's fine. And I was like, okay, you're, that's fair. I got a call that night. My friend was FaceTiming me. My dog had gone into her daughter's room, took the blanket off the bed, and took it back to his bed because he was cold. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> he just stole her blanket. He really wants And I felt... <laughs> I just was like, hold on, you have to tell my husband this, because he... Because he was so certain that, like, the only person who cared about the blanket was me. But Scamp actually needs his blanket. And he loves, like, I have an electric blanket that he absolutely loves. Oh Heaven forbid you get the heating pad out. He has, like, an absolute fit. If you get the heating pad out, he gets super excited. He has a little sweater with a pumpkin on it and a little hood. Oh. Um, and I, I always ask him, because he'll tell you if he doesn't want to wear it. It's so weird. I, people probably think I'm crazy. But I communicate very well with them, you know. And so, like, I'll grab the... Every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, I wonder if he wants his sweater. And Quentin will be like, well, how could you possibly know? And I'll hold up the sweater. And I just, I'm like, do you want this? If he wants it, he'll wag his tail. If he doesn't, he'll walk away and he'll put up a fight when I try to put it on him. So it's like really easy to tell. That's so, yeah, everybody thinks I'm crazy, but really I'm just, I like to think I'm just really good at communicating with my dogs. <laughs> They're your fur babies. They're, yeah, you're going to be able to communicate well with them. Yeah. Scamp is highly intelligent. Um, that's why he's partly my seizure dog, because he's he's very observant. He's very intelligent. Um, he's very protective and instinctual. Beowulf is kind of dumb, but he's really cute and he's really lovable. You know, and it's not really his fault. I mean, he's half lab, half beagle, and his first family left him outside for eight months. So it's not like he had a lot of stimulating interaction for the first eight months of his life you know oh, pup. Yeah. yeah yeah he has like severe abandonment issues now we <laughs> there's this lovely park by my father's house in florida that's like five acres and you have like a you can pay for like 
the day or like a yearly membership and it's all like double fenced in and you can take your dogs and let them off the leash and just have fun. And Scamp was gone killing. He was like running around killing squirrels and bunnies and anything he can catch. He was just gone being a dog. And Baywolf would like run a hundred feet away and then like turn around and start screaming. Oh my goodness. He would just start howling. And then we'd be like, it's okay. We're right here. And he was like, okay. And then he would just start walking away. And then like a little while later, he would look around again. Like, oh my God, where'd you guys go? The whole time we were there, he never went more than like 200 yards away from us. He was just like so worried that we weren't going to come back. Oh, wow. At one point, my husband went to the car to grab like a, a pop, a soda out of the car and Beowulf ran to the fence and just started pacing up and down the fence until he came back in. Yeah. I mean, beagles are pretty, I have a beagle, <laughs> so I know they're pretty, um, they do like to be near their pack for sure. Yes. Um, and they have an yes. alpha. I mean, it's the, my husband in this house. And so, yeah, I, I totally understand that. He, he was a pack and the pack went off and did something yep. that he didn't understand. And yep. yeah, no, I get it completely. And, you know, he struggled a lot with Scant being gone because it's not like we can tell him why his brother was gone for two days. Yeah. So he just kept wandering around the house looking for him. Oh, poor pup. Just, like, every time he would fall asleep, like, he would wake up and he would just go from room to room seeing if he was there. Then he'd want to go outside and check if he was there. Then he'd want to look out the window. And by the time we finally brought him back, I think it was the first time Beowulf had actually gotten real sleep because he was just so worried about where he was. Oh, yeah, that it made me sucks. feel bad. I wish I wish I could just tell him like it's okay. He'll be right back. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work that way. No, not quite. It would be so much easier if they could talk. <laughs> yeah, but then we wouldn't love him as much. I think. But you know, those, the, 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 <laughs> you do those big eyes. Too much. We would just feel bad every time we leave the house, right? Oh they yeah, <laughs> they would because they would tell us how much they missed us all the time. We would never leave ever. Yeah, my um, when my husband went through his first deployment, Scamp was um, a year old, I think, and he was a hot mess. He didn't eat for like two days. Then he went through a phase where he would only eat stuff that he found outside, and he would bring it to me. Like he brought me a dead crow, like a full sized crow. Lovely. He brought it to me. Yeah. Then it was like a mouse. Like he just kept trying to feed me. Eventually, I had to sit with him on the floor, and he would eat his dog food, and I would just like sit next to him. Wow. But my husband went there, went overseas and in, in winter, and then ended up being there over the summer as well. So he sent home like a big tub of his winter clothes that he didn't need anymore, and it was like a giant. Um, like a like a gorilla tub. Do you know what those are? Nope. Like it's just like, like a wear sort of thing. Like a little yeah, tube. but like a really big one. Like yeah. the, like the one you would put clothes in and it goes under your bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we had one of those, and um, sent that to us, and he just sat in it for days. Like I opened it to start grabbing everything and like putting it in the wash, and he just hopped in there and he sat on top of it for just days and days and days. Oh. And eventually, like, every time I would come home from work, he'd be laying in the tub. And eventually I had to, like, kick him out so I could start cleaning the tub. But he was just so obsessed with being in it because he, he missed his dad. Yeah, he needed, a, so he needed his dad. Aww. Poor baby. Poor I'm trying to see if I have a picture. I was going to send you a picture because I thought I had a picture of it, but I guess I don't. 
But sweet boy, he just, he needed his dad back. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's rough. Um, you know, I think it's rough for me too, of course, but yeah, I don't know how, you know, do it. it's rough because you can't tell them what's going on. And so they get upset and you can't like comfort them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's hard. It's sometimes with kids as well. You can't explain exactly what's going on and why you're upset. And, and I find that hard too with my sons I'm, and I'm trying to explain to them best I can in ways I understand it. If something's happened, like, uh, I don't know there's, I don't know if you guys have um, Amber alerts down there, but we get these. We do. Yeah, you do. So we have, so it's like that will come up and my phone will, you know, explode with it. And my son will say, what's going on? And I have to explain to him why everyone's looking for this child. And it's like, how do I explain it in a way that he's going to understand? And it's, it can be difficult, but I mean, he's, he's a pretty clever guy, but it's stuff like that. It's like, I really want to, to not shield him from these things, but at the same time, I want to do it in a way that he's going to, I mean, he's five. So how is he going to understand what this is and, and how it affects everybody and how we can all help so yeah it's I feel like my mom and she's probably listening so you know I hope she doesn't get it mad but like my mom is so not chill about that stuff I remember the first time there was an amber alert and I remember asking her about it and she was like well that's what happens when you don't stay with your mom so maybe you'll listen to me next time we're at the store oh my god and like as an adult oh my goodness as an adult my mom is like using it as a as a like <laughs> as a teaching moment but like as a kid, I was like, okay, can't leave mom's side when we're at the store. Oh, Got it. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I don't. Oh, I was terrible. That. I would run away from her. I was the worst. I was. She said I was the best bad kid ever because I was. I would run away just so I could do other things. Like we would go to Walmart, and she would. She wouldn't let me sit in the cart anymore because I was too big. But I didn't want to walk around Walmart, so I would like run to the front of the store and sit on those benches they have for old people and try to read my books. And she would like have to call the store and have them page me. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that'd be uh, so embarrassing as a parent, <laughs> but I know. And I feel as like a, yeah, <laughs> as a 30 year old adult, I feel bad. Yeah. But you know, when I was a kid, I was like, why can't I just read my book? Yeah. No, I, my son, my, my husband has a really loud booming voice. So as soon as, they're like out of eye shot where my husband just has to shout and everyone in the whole store will turn around and look because um, he's loud and he's Welsh and uh, the, the boys just run over right away. They know that they're going to, they're going to get in trouble. Yeah. See, that's how my husband's voice is. He has like a really deep, low voice. I, I do not. Well, I guess you heard it, right? You heard him on that episode. Yeah, he's yeah. very capable. Yeah of having like a, a, a scary voice if he needs it, you know, but I, I, I know that the low voice thing works because when I was teaching preschool, um, one of the like seasoned teachers, like one of my first days working with her, she was like, how's your deep voice? And I was like, my what? And she was like, oh, you need a deep voice. And she had to like explain the whole thing to me. And it really does work. Yeah. Like, if you can use a deep voice, it works. Yeah. If you go from talking like this to, I said, sit down. Like, it it's does. surprising how yeah. quickly everybody starts to listen to you. Yes, I, I do it with my sons all the time. That and, yep. and counting. <laughs> counting is a big one. I, I'll count and Matthew 
my middle child was like, don't count. Don't just don't count. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't count. Oh, that's so funny. I won't count, but you got to stop what you're doing. But, okay, mommy. <laughs> don't count. Yeah. Just don't count. <laughs> does not want me to count. I did it today. <laughs> we're like, we're leaving the store. Okay. Okay. All right. We're, I'll stop. Don't count. So funny. Bless us a lot. <laughs> that's so sweet though. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I got good kids. They're pretty good. I'm pretty lucky. You do have good kids. That sounds lovely. I wish I wish I was closer to everybody because I don't have kids. So I could like get to know everybody and hang out with their kids and then give them back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a lot of people who volunteer to babysit because all my boys, there's, I mean, there's five, three and one. So you can imagine how many volunteers I have for that. But um, Oh, I would have so much fun. I would bring makeup and I would like cover their faces and pretend we were zombies. And like love that. They, yeah, (laughs) I always bring something to do when I'm babysitting. Like I always have to bring some kind of fun activity. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I I don't really have anyone. It's just me and my husband. Sometimes my mom. If I was closer, I would. Plus scamp loves kids. See, this is now you have to move up here and you have to move close to me. This this is going to have to happen now, Beth. (laughs) If it were up to me, I would already be there. (laughs) Yeah, I come to Toronto. Toronto's cool. Toronto's pretty good. I'm, I'm outside of Toronto. I've always wanted to go up there, especially like I wanted to. There's so many wonderful library opportunities up there. Well, tro- I mean, Toronto itself has got 99 libraries. So it's. I know. Yeah, a lot of libraries. And um, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of library systems around. We have pretty good budgets so far. Touch wood. Oh, my goodness. With COVID <laughs> and everything. I'm a little nervous, but we'll see. My job should be safe. Um, yeah. And to anyone who's a teacher or librarian listening and you lost your job because of COVID, I'm very sorry. Yeah. I hope you find another one. Yeah. Well, the- uh, I know a lot of people were put out of work over it Yeah, it's- and I, I feel bad. So whether, you know, your school or library or Walmart or whatever, I'm really sorry if you lost your job and I hope you find another one. And I know this is like, it's a rough time. It's just not the nicest time at all. It's, it's, I think it's the uncertainty. No one knows what's going to happen. I mean, are we going to get a second wave? Are we going to have another lockdown? And these uncertainties just, it makes people, it makes people nuts. Because of course, like, if you don't know when you're going to get your next paycheck, this is going to be very difficult. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit nervous myself. But we're, I mean, you just have to go through it and go through the motions and hope for the best and try and just do what you can. Wear masks and wash your hands. Um, that's really all you can do at this moment in time. And it's hard too, because, you know, I think it's a lot of the issue, I think, at least here in the States is that, um, there's mixed signals. Well, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it makes everything sort of political over there. I've noticed and it's come down to wearing a mask or not. And I'm very confused about that, but, um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, in all honesty, to me, it's because I know there's probably people listening that are getting angry, and I'm really sorry. But to me, it's a piece of cloth, and I don't mind putting it on my face because it's just a piece of cloth, and I don't really care. But there's a lot of, like, uh, confrontation here about wearing the mask. And it's, I personally don't get it, you know, but I don't want to, like, make anybody feel bad. I don't want to shame people or anything. Yeah. I just, if it helps people 
you know, I don't see a big deal in it. I, I feel the same. We And we have problems up here too. We are not perfect in Canada. We definitely have our issues. Um, it's, uh, it's just everything seems to be blown out of proportion in, in the States. Maybe it's because you have more people. So more people, more opinions, more um, platforms to, to tell these opinions on, I guess. I don't know. But um, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to get political, definitely, especially because I know very little about um, American politics and all that. But uh, it's something I've definitely seen on the news once or twice. <laughs> I mean, I, I try not to get political because I know that there are a lot of young listeners yes. and I don't want my political opinions to unintentionally uh, influence anyone. Right. Because I do believe in, in making your own decisions and doing your own research and coming to your own conclusions. Um, and I think everybody has the right to their own opinion and their own political, you know, choices. And I don't think anyone should ever have to feel like they need to defend that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I will say that I think right now, to me personally, and... Part of this, you know, my mom is a medical physician, my dad is a nurse, my stepmom is a nurse, my sister Lindsay is a mathematical engineer who works for a, um, like a water filtering company, okay. so she's like essential. Um, my sister's wife is like, uh, she's got like an autoimmune disease, so there's just there's a lot of people in my family who this is a real issue for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my husband's military, so obviously he's essential. He has to keep working. Mm -hmm. And so to me, if it's just a piece of cloth on your face, if you just can't go to dinner for a little while, if you just can't get a haircut for a few months, I don't see the big deal. Yeah. Now, if you're put out of work, if you can't work and pay your bills and, and your rent and keep your flat and things like that, that I understand. Yeah. That I totally get needing to go back to work. But you know, all the other stuff to me, I can live without it if I need to. And it's for the safety of myself and others. I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing as well, being a librarian, you're not supposed to have any opinion on anything at all, ever. Okay. <laughs> I was told that in library school, you are a librarian, you have no opinion. It's like, okay, you have absolutely no, you opinion. Have no opinion on anything. And, and I've had that conversation with people before as librarians when they have an opinion. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's you know, that's your choice to have that opinion. But when you're at work, you don't have one. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard because I work in collections. So um, my whole job is to weed. I weed for my whole um, library system. And sometimes it's really hard to keep that book that I don't particularly like the opinions of, but it's not my opinions. And I have to remember that um, these books reflect my community um, and there are people in my community who might have these opinions. So I'm going to keep that book on the shelf. Um, yeah. Yeah. And weeding is um, a very difficult job to have. Um, a lot of people find it really boring, but um, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think I do think sometimes it can be very difficult, especially when you're working in the nonfiction. Um, I just did the 600s recently and there's 600s is so big. There's just so much. Oh. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of that stuff, it's like you have to do research because you yeah. have to see if the information is like outdated. Yep, exactly. And not just like something you disagree with or something that you don't like is it's like, OK, is this information no longer accurate because we've you know made other discoveries? that have proven this to be falsehood or something yeah I mean and or so but even if it is old is it the only book you have on that subject in the whole system and then that also right. is something to think of too so I find um I 
I will take, I honestly, I'll spend a whole week on a stupid list, just narrowing it down from like 5,000 titles to 300. And uh, yeah. I sometimes will go through every single title and it's, it's tedious. It's definitely tedious, but I think you can learn a lot from, and from doing it. You can learn about subjects you never, ever thought of. And I think absolutely. that's what and, makes it And fun. just for anyone who's listening and is like, you guys are doing librarian talk. Yeah, sorry. Um, the 600s <laughs> is applied science. So yeah. uh, inventions, transportation. Medicines in there. Uh, <laughs> dog, cats. Yes. Cookbooks. Dogs, cats. Cookbooks. Cooking, robots. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> like it's a, <laughs> really wide. And then the curtains. I remember there's, I saw a book of curtains from the 80s. Like, okay, nobody wants that. <laughs> so that could go. Right. But, um, but you know what, though? The, see, and my brain automatically thinks of like school because I'm like, what if somebody has to do a report on like outdated house decorating? And they need a book about curtains from maybe I don't know. <laughs> but if it hasn't gone out in six years and it's collecting dust, yeah. then maybe it should go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I like my job, but uh, yeah, it, you as a librarian, you have to remember sometimes you just you don't have an opinion. What is your opinion on what you're reading right oh, now? Oh, that is a jolly good question. I am reading um, Sky Without Stars by just never heard of it tell me all about it okay uh i think marissa meyer had her on her podcast um then i probably did hear about it it's the lame is reimagining oh yes yes i have like a really long list of books from her podcast now and they're all kind of jumbling together this one is i'm i'm, I'm only like 100 pages in but i'm really enjoying it and i like the world building i like the world that that they're creating it's uh, it's really cool, and I know I think the second book's out. I'm, I think we have to wait on the third book because I really hate starting a series on the first book and then knowing there's other books coming. Because by the time the third book comes out, I'd forgotten all about what happened in the first book. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to wait a little bit for this one, and I'm really it's I'm finding it really good. I'm really enjoying it. So I highly recommend. Good. Yeah. What are you reading? I was was reading a bunch of fantasy and took a break to read Bridget Jones for a bonus Pride and Prejudice episode that I'm doing for the Patreon. Ooh, and you can't just read one Bridget Jones. No, no, you cannot. <laughs> Anyone who has not read Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, so, it's funny. so funny. So I read it and then I, I immediately read Edge of Reason. I pretend that the third book doesn't exist, and so now I'm reading Bridget Jones's Baby. Yeah. Um, and when I get done with it, it was you know it's kind of like a palate cleanser. You're, I'm not a young adult. I'm not in fantasy. It's very like refreshing. Um, so when I get done with it, I'm gonna go finish the Miss Peregrine series and dive right back into young adults. Oh. <laughs> and fantasy. <laughs> I, I started that series, but I never finished it. Is it worth going back um, to? So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I took a break because it got very intense and it got a little scary. Ooh. Um, and I'm quite easily frightened and I had enough stress going on at the time. So I was like, I don't need more anxiety from my book. Yeah. So <laughs> I, can see that. I took a break, but I still have two books left. Um, the third book was like just one thing after another. It was amazing. Uh, it was kind of like the first time you read winter where it's just like everything is happening all at once and it feels so intense the whole time. Um, for when we get to that on the podcast in like a year and a half, <laughs> uh, but 
yeah, I'm really excited to get back to it and finish the series and then move on to the ever never ending TBR pile that I have, uh-huh. which is like my whole library, like 50% of the books in my, my room are not read yet. <laughs> See, I, that, this is why I don't buy books that I haven't read. I, I can't, I can't, I, I will just have well, them there them sitting at gifts. me. I can't do it. Yeah. A lot of them are gifts. Um, you know, I also work at a bookshop. Yes. And it's a, it's a used bookshop. Uh, so I can get a really nice used book for like 50 cents or a dollar yeah. or whatever. And so it's very tempting. I you can know, if that. it's a young adult and it looks like a good one and it's 75 cents, I'm going to grab it. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so otherwise I get it on my Kindle. I go to my local library when, Ooh, when they let me go in there. Very happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have uh, library cards to several different libraries. When I was in the UK, everywhere I went, I took a library card out. It was, it was nice. Yeah, I I actually just thought of it the other day um, that I should I have a library card every time we move I get a library card and I feel silly I should have kept them and then I could start like a library card collection for every base we go to. Oh, you should have that would have been so much fun. And I can't I honestly can't remember if I still have the one from Nebraska or not. I kind of want to look for it. You you should look. <laughs> That's it's it's cool. It's it's nice. It's nice to go to all these different systems and see what other people do. Yeah, I will say I miss Overdrive. Overdrive is an app. Yes, I know Overdrive. Yeah. Um, we actually switched yeah, from Overdrive to Cloud. To like, <laughs> you can listen to audiobooks, and down yeah. here in Mississippi, they don't have it. And I had it in Nebraska, and it was amazing. And I got all these great audiobooks, and I would listen to them, you know, at work and when I'm running errands and stuff. And I don't have it down here, so I have to like buy the audiobook. <laughs> They don't have anything else. Like, what about Clyde Cloud Library? That's really big in the states because that's what we have. No, they have something called Hoopla. Hoopla, um, yeah, and it's that's just streaming. I hate it. It's hate dreadful. It? It's okay. I don't it's mind. Absolutely Hoopla. dreadful. I, I, well, I should say the one that I have access to is absolutely dreadful. It yeah. has practically nothing on it. Oh, that sucks. Maybe they don't have a huge budget for for that sort of thing. I, I don't think that they have a huge budget for it at all. No. And if, I mean, if, yeah, if, which is unfortunate. And if the people don't want that, maybe that's not what your community is taking out. Maybe they're taking out the actual CDs. That's still a thing. There's a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, and I think a lot of people down here too. They still have cassette tapes down here at this library. No too, way. So those are still being used. <gasps> yeah, oh so my gosh. Utilized. That's like relics. Wow. <laughs> I know. I felt like it was very archaic when I saw it, but uh, people still use it. That's so. nutty. um so today we're gonna talk about some fan art before we get into chapter discussion yes i've got two um it's from october 2nd the first is from scott can anilo i really hope i say that right i'm sorry bro if i didn't um and it's of our lovely scarlet um and i have to say i like it uh, a lot i love her hair yes um i like that she is not super skinny Yep. I see so many fan arts of her where she's like a very thin person. And I'm like, no, come on. We finally got a thick girl. She's got some curves. Give me yeah. some curves. <laughs> yes. And she's do. still a little on the thin side, I would say. But I've been corrected before. So, uh, you know. Um, and I love that her hoodie is a zip up. I love that too. Yeah, that's how I pictured it too. It's exactly, to be honest, in my head, everyone's a cartoon character and this is pretty much <laughs> fits the bill. She's exactly what I thought of. I love of. that. 
Yeah, it's it's really yeah, bad. I love that. Sunshine and rainbows in my head is it's it's not very good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh the inside of my that that last Taylor Swift album, Lover, where it was all butterflies and pastel colors and rainbows and everything looked like cotton candy, that is the inside of my head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very similar, although I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, so I, I don't know what you're referencing, but I get the gist of it. It was very, 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 very colorful. It was like okay. giant pastel colors. It was like a whole aesthetic. Okay. I um, grew up with her music, sort of. She's the same age as me, and mm-hmm. um, so I'm sending it to you on Instagram right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. I get it. Yeah. So it's like very... Uh, pink and pastel and glitter and like that's the inside of my brain all time yeah. plus unicorns yeah, I, and that's books. pretty much mine too only mine's more like um <laughs> disneyfied it's got like disney characters and everything yes everyone's got the big big wide eyes it's it's pretty bad that's why like when i watch movies of things i'm like oh it's it's so much worse in the movie than it is in my head like the hunger games especially I was like, I don't, I don't know why, I, what I was expecting. Maybe the blood was ketchup in my head or something, but I, I watched the movie and I was like, this is so much worse than it was in my head. I don't think I ever picture a lot of things as cartoons, um, but I, I definitely have always pictured the Lunar Chronicles with a bit of a like soft filter to it, you know? Yeah. 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 And I, I love this picture of Scarlett. Yeah, and, it's, it's great. Um, it I'm really a big is. fan of of his work so please he has his own website he has an instagram feed go check it out and then the second one is from logan southern ms on deviantart.com <laughs> and it's lovely it's crest it's so nice. and thorn they're walking away from the satellite and the parachute he's got his stick uh she's got her towel shoes on like she's guiding him with her arm i just i love everything about this picture yeah, I was, I was talking to my husband about it because I don't know much about art, but um, he was saying the shadowing on it is just, it's its so phenomenal because it's, you can see that the depth perception, he told me how to use the words depth perception a lot. Um, you can really tell where the dips are and everything on it. And mm-hmm. I think I really appreciate that. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, Ashley is very into art. She's, her husband is very artistic and she's taken a lot of classes on art and like appreciation and stuff. And I sometimes miss her when we get like the more detailed artwork because I know she would have like all these really insightful things to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, oh I'm my slow. God, this is so cool. It's pretty. Yeah. I like the way it makes me feel like, yeah, it I'm not very good. So many things. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it, but it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's hard to do when you don't know what you're talking about, but if it makes you feel good, then you just have to say that, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So big thank you to both of them for sharing those. And um, wonderful Patreon members voted for last week's chapter title. So chapter 15 is Road Less Traveled by Lauren Aliana. And chapter 16 is Can't Get There From Here by R.E.M. And we are finally going to start chapter discussion. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, I love it. Tangent, we haven't had tangents in quite a few episodes, so it's fine. That's chapter, funny. Oh my goodness. Chapter 17. Last time we left off, Cress and Thorn were off into the desert trying to find civilization. Um, and this week we start off with Scarlet. We have not seen her since Sybil took her hostage. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Because we just saw the pod, t- the pod ship go, didn't we? And we saw it like, and Scarlet was in it. 
So, yeah, in chapter seven. So we haven't seen her in seven chapters. We finally get to see what happens. She's piloting the pod ship. Yep. This is a very surreal chapter to read. Yeah, it's not a super happy rainbows and butterflies. No, it's also, it's not even really third person. It's almost, it's almost second person, which is very difficult narrative to write. That's why pretty much everything is written in first person or third person, but Mm -hmm. it's almost second person, just not quite. Yeah. Um, but she's piloting the pod ship because she wanted to and needed to. She feel like this, this is how the lunar gift works. It's very disturbing. Yeah. When I first read it, I was like, because she wanted to, because she needs to. It's like, what, why does she need to? And then the penny drop went, oh, she's been glamored, hasn't she? <laughs> it took, took me like, it took me a while to get there, but I got there in the end. <laughs> she has been duped. Um, oh, poor thing. And it, it's yeah. very like uh, disturbing to read it that she's, she, if she did well, she would be rewarded. The thought made her feel joyful eager and willing yeah Ooh, it's very disturbing yes yes it is yeah and she flew fast and steady and she felt like she'd never flown so well and then she has this memory of her grandmother and her like flying the ship for the first time with her grandmother and how easy it was and how difficult she how easy it is to fly now and how difficult it was for her to fly when she first started learning Hmm. and then the memory like kind of just washes away from her as soon as she starts to stop thinking about it even for a second. Yeah. And she's doing it mechanically, isn't she? Yes. It's um and I for me, um, I don't actually drive. Well, I I have a license, I just don't like to drive. And so for me this is a big deal that she's doing it all she's flying in space and she's doing it all mechanically and while being glamoured and she's doing it pretty well, I'm assuming, because it's very autopilot to yeah. to the to the extreme, right? Yeah, um, and, I, and I often think of that saying the like when you're driving on the highway and you forget how you got home. Uh, highway hypnosis. Okay. It's called highway hypnosis. Okay. And it's basically like you have a long day and you drive the same drive that you're used to, and by the time you get home, you kind of forgot how you even got there. Okay. Because it was such a mundane drive, which I've experienced a few times. Becca and I used to work together and it was a like a 45 minute commute from my house, which is how I first got into podcast listening. Um, and so I would make that drive twice a day, five days a week, sometimes more if there was overtime mm-hmm. uh, every day for two years. And there were definitely days after like a 14 hour day of sitting at a computer all day. And then I would drive home and it kind of would just fly by and I wouldn't even realize how I'd gotten there. So it's like the extreme version of that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've never had that when I'm driving. I mean, as I say, I don't like to drive. So I'm thinking about every move that I'm making. And um, so for me, to me personally, I feel like this is a testament to how good a flyer she is because she's doing it all like mechanically and not thinking about it. And the fact she probably it, driving a car might be one thing, but I mean, like this is in space, although I guess the technology would have changed by then to make it easier. I, I don't know, but I mean, there's certain aspects of space that would be easy, right? You're not going to hit anything. Well, yeah, but then if you make wrong one move, then you're like, yeah. Like, right, you have to worry about, like, coordinates and mm-hmm. stuff. And airlocks, I guess. <laughs> I'm just thinking of my sci-fi. Yeah, um, and pockets. And, yeah, and if you make yeah. one wrong move, you're you're spiraling off into space and you're gone. You're, yeah. you're not coming back. And, so. and not to, like, spend too much time in the what-if section, yeah. but, like, 
you know, what if she had someone who'd never flown before? Would Sybil still be able to autopilot that person into flying the ship so well? Or is Sybil just tapping into the fact that Scarlet knows how to fly and is like, hey, fly me to this place? Yeah, I mean, like, what if, yeah, exactly. I don't want to go into what ifs, but she's pretty lucky that she chose, she got Scarlet over someone like Wolf who would be able to do anything. I mean, she can definitely control Wolf, but, but that's my thing. Like, I wonder yeah. if, if, I wonder if Sybil knows how to fly or not, because she had a pilot, which implies that she either does not know how to fly or that it's like a, a social class, you know, like she doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How rich people have people that drive them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I would assume that she wouldn't dr- learn. She wouldn't drive or else she'd just do it herself. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah. why would she even want someone to know that Cress lived there, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Cress is supposed to be this big secret. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's not key to the whole chapter, but it just made it's me think. It's not, but it's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. You know? And it's nice to talk that stuff out. Yeah. The woman starts hissing. I love this. The woman. The not Sybil, not the thaumaturge. The woman. Mm-hmm. I love it. And this is where it starts to be like a small aspect of second person yeah. narration. Um, the woman starts hissing and cursing and Scar wants to please her. Yeah. It's so disturbing reading this chapter. Yeah. The woman had sent out a calm to your majesty. Yes. The queen, which should terrify Scarlet, but she can't remember why. Yes. Um, I also want to point out that she, Sybil's just been shot and, you know, she doesn't call her the, you know, the doctor to say, Hey, prep for surgery. I want to point out Mm -hmm. that she's called her boss, you know, um, she, or she didn't call her significant other and say, you know, don't put the lasagna in. I, I've been shot. (laughs) I mean, she calls her boss. So I, I really think we need to recognize that Sybil here is, you know, a really good employee. Yeah, she's very devoted. She's dev- she's I think, you know, she's employee she's of the month. She's probably never taken any sick leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I doubt that she's ever taken any sick leave whatsoever. Yeah, I you know, her dedication is just it's really really good. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> no, I think it's it's brilliant dedication. Honestly, I'm not even I'm, you know, that's like military level dedication right there. That's the kind of stuff my that people in the military are expected to to have there you go Um, because they have this saying which every spouse listening hates is service before self oh i've never heard of that yes service before self which is why if there's a hurricane i'm supposed to be evacuated because they can't they don't want to worry that they don't want quentin to be distracted worrying about the safety of his family when he's supposed to be focusing on his job oh okay so it's service before self service before self Wow. Yeah, it's I, they don't enforce it as much as they used to in the Air Force, um, you know, unless it's like a mission essential type of thing. Okay. But, um, you know, it's very it's very big. It's it's why some military members don't get to be there when their children are born and things like that, mm-hmm. because the mission comes first. And so, you know, they just don't let you go. Uh, if you're if you're stationed overseas, you're stationed overseas and you stay there. And it's unfortunate. But. It is the, that it's what you sign up for, and it's like Sybil, it's dedication. Yeah, yeah, Sybil definitely has that for sure. So, if nothing else, 
she should be employee of the year. And instead, it seems the queen is upset with her. She's trying so hard. (laughs) She is trying hard. And to, to prevent herself from listening, because Scarlett doesn't feel like she should be listening, right? So to prevent herself from listening, she starts thinking of other things. And she starts reciting childhood dreams or childhood songs and rhymes in her head. Yeah. And I really want to know what those are. Yeah, I would know too, especially um, what's still survived. Yeah. You know, what what's still what people are still saying. And I mean, is there any French left? Is it English? Is it like we all know Frere Jaca? Is there they're still doing stuff like that? Yes. You know, I, I And I was think I actually thought Frere Jaca as well. And yeah. I was trying to think of like all the songs I knew when I was a kid versus the songs that I sang as a preschool teacher and like for some reason I thought of two songs immediately. I thought of the song that never ends. Oh God, yeah, I sing that. I sing that to my son's age. <laughs> and the song, and the song that gets on everybody's nerves. Yeah, yeah. Um, Those are the first two songs I thought of. Um, and so I was wondering, like, you're Canadian, but you're my age. So do you know both those songs? Uh, I don't know. I know the first one. Remind me of the second one. The song that gets on everybody's nerves. This good song gonna get on your nerves. Get on your nerves. That one? No, it's nope. like um Let me let me look up the lyrics just so I don't get it wrong. Well mine was because I read like the same books to my sons over and over. So I read Little Blue Truck and you know, horn went beep, engine purred, friendly sounds you ever heard. <laughs> oh yeah. So I so mine are all like ones like that, or like the Gruffalo. I know the Gruffalo pretty well by now. Well, and like a lot of what I know is from teaching preschool. So I was trying to think of things that would have been like from my childhood and not like from teaching preschool. So the the song that I'm thinking of is it's I know a song that gets on everybody's nerves. No. And it's I know a song that gets on everybody's nerves. I do not know everybody's song. nerves. Everybody's nerves. I know a song that gets on everybody's nerves, then this is how it goes. <laughs> but that's how it is. So you sing that, you sing that three times, and then you say, and this is how it goes, clap, clap, and then you keep singing. And you can sing on forever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah. Yes, and it never ends. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so those were the two songs that came to my head when I when I read that. But I, I know, you know, of course there's Ashes to Ashes, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. So we know that song survived. Um, and regained popularity with the current plague. No. <sighs> Which is sad. Yeah. But everyone, tell me your childhood rhymes that you mm-hmm. sang. I'm curious. Yeah. That would be, um, yeah. be a good one. That would be interesting. Yeah, especially, like, from all over the world. I was just about to say that. Yeah, there's regional things, you know? Like, um, my husband and I grew up in the same town. Well, I moved there when I was nine, but we grew up in the same town. And even we have different, like, even just different words. Like, um, pajamas, when I was growing up, we called them jam jams. Oh, okay. And my husband's family called them jammies, which makes me think of, like, jam, like peanut butter and jam, but, you know, whatever. And then, like, uh, we always called it a cheese toasty, but my husband's family called it grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? So it's nothing, like, strange. It's nothing... You know, my family's not crazy, you guys. Or pop, pop. I grew up saying pop. Yeah. But down here, people look at me like I'm insane. It's soda. Or down here, just Coke. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, because my husband's Welsh, he'll he'll throw Welsh words in once in a while. Like um, a kutch is a hug. And um, 
he says it to the boys, and so the boys know what a kutch is, but um, they'll say it to someone else, and they'll have no idea what they're talking about. I don't know what about. it is. A kutch is a hug. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, I mean, there's a lot of Welsh words that, um, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of another one. Where'd my husband go? He could tell me one. Um, <laughs> but there, I like, um, or because I lived in Scotland as well. And um, so sometimes it'll be like a, something, a Scottish saying, and my husband and I will talk and we'll, we'll drop in these Scottish or Welsh words and people don't know what we're talking about. So it's, right. it's kind of fun. Yeah, I definitely want to hear what other people, what rhymes, um, especially local ones. That people yes, can think absolutely. It'd be really cool. Well, I, I think there's local you. ones, like, I, the only local things I could think of are, like, commercials. You know? Like, yeah. anybody in the Midwest knows who J.G. Wentworth is. It's okay. one of those company. it's one of those, like, um, medical malpractice companies that has, like, infomercials at 2 o'clock in the morning. And all of their commercials are people that go out of their window and scream into the streets, it's my money and I need it now. Oh. And I can always tell like a Midwesterner because they'll know what I'm talking about if I randomly make that reference. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about, but yeah, no, I get or, what you're saying. Um, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think and all I can think of are jingles like Stan, like Stanley steamers, um, yeah. you know, or, Oh, there used to be a, a McDonald's song, that I'm loving it song. Yeah. The Budweiser frogs. We have Budweiser. Yeah, we do, but I don't know about any frogs. Sorry. In the early 90s, there were these um, Budweiser commercials, and it was these two frogs on a swamp, and were for, and I don't know why, but they were so popular. And it was like one frog would say, Bud, and the other frog would go, Weiser? Bud. Weiser? And I don't know why, but they were like these big commercials that were so popular okay sure welcome back to commercials from bethany's childhood podcast <laughs> we uh, are so on a tangent <laughs> this went from recited yeah. childhood rhymes to commercials <laughs> the last like, five or six episodes have not had any tangents oh, really, and i've had people say that they miss them so here, here you, you go. are you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> oh man Funny. She's trying not to listen. That's what my notes are for. Yeah. Right? She's trying not to listen, but then a word sticks out to her. A name makes her curious. Mm -hmm. Lynn Cinder. Yeah. Um, and I want to read, I want to read her Sybil's conversation mm -hmm. with her majesty. Took. I don't even know if she told her she got shot. She's telling her what happened, right? No, I could not capture her. I was overpowered. I am sorry, your majesty. I have failed you. Yes, I have already sent the last known coordinates of the ship to the Royal Guard. I was able to capture a hostage, Your Majesty, one of her accomplices. Perhaps she has information on where Lynn Cinder might go next or what her plan could be. I know it isn't good enough, Your Majesty. I will make this up to you, Your Majesty. I will find her. Goodness gracious. Oh, dear. Yeah. I feel like she's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, she knows she might not get employee of the month. She really might she not. She might not. She was overpowered. Yeah. I, I like to think there's pauses, even though they're not recognized in the paragraph of the text. But I think there's a pause every once in a while because, you know, where she goes, I have failed you. Yeah. Yes, I have already sent yeah. you. So I feel like there's a oh, pause. Oh, yeah, there definitely is. Yeah. Um, That's how I read it. Yeah. 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 And, and this conversation is kind of disturbing because, like you said, she's not calling a doctor. Mm -hmm. She's not saying 
you know, hey, I got hurt. Um, you know, I'm going to need some sick leave. <laughs> <laughs> She's not saying, oh, no, I lost my guard. Please report him missing. She's like, oh, man, <laughs> I lost Cinder. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a hostage. <laughs> That may or may not be useful, yeah. but I will find her later. It's definitely going to happen. Just, you know, right, not right this second. I pinky promise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like those, um, you've got one, you had one job memes or whatever. It's like, all you had to do was catch a measly cyborg. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. Um, this is hard. This, this next bit's hard. It is hard. Scarlet feels ashamed for eavesdropping and thinks that she deserves punishment. Mm -hmm. This is so disturbing. Yes. yes, it is. We we as the reader know that this is not Scarlet. Yes. Scarlet is thinking and feeling this way because of Sybil's control over her. It's the same as when Kai first met Lavana and he wanted to worship her and he thought she was the most beautiful, perfect woman in the world and he would do anything to make her happy, make her proud and um, all that other stuff. Like that wasn't really Kai's opinion. That was Lavana's manipulation of him. And so this is, this is Scarlet's sort of first interaction with an actual manipulation, not someone making her, you know, move her arm, but someone making her think and feel a certain way. Yeah. And that's what really I got from this whole chapter. It was when I, I was sort of like the, like I said before, the pennies dropped. When I'd read before, I thought glamoring, it was pretty bad. You know, you could change your opinion a bit or you could use the body a bit to, you know, take bullets or whatever. Um, but I felt like that was kind of superficial. I didn't really feel like it went down deep. And then this chapter came and I think it really hit me that th they can change who you are as a person. It's not that superficial. It's... I mean, your opinions, yes, they definitely can change, but your opinions don't make you you. And yes, they can move your body, but your body is not your essence. It's not you. And now yes. Scarlet's like gone. She's not here at all. And her, she's completely changed. And it, it, this was when I went, holy, you know, holy crap. This is, this is big. This is really big. And it's scary. And this sort of puts... This is what puts Kai into perspective as well. Kai's big thing that we've noticed is him thinking that every experience he had with Cinder was a lie. Yeah. And if from the very moment he met her, Cinder was doing this type of manipulation to him to make him think that he liked her, that he enjoyed her company, to develop this sort of crush that he had on her, this, you know, what Torin referred to as lovesick teenager kind of thing. It's understandable why Kai would think, obviously, I never actually had those emotions from the very beginning. She was making me feel those things, and I didn't know any better, yeah. so, you know, he went along with it. With Lavana, he knew Lavana was going to manipulate him. He knew that Lavana wasn't a good person. Cinder was an unknown variable. Mm -hmm. So if from the very first time he met her, she had been using her glamour, we know she hadn't, but from Kai's perspective, he doesn't know that. Yeah. And so... Reading this perspective from Scarlet, it's very easy to see why he would think that. Yeah, it's it's terrifying to think that your thoughts aren't your own. Is um, I I can't even imagine. It's terrifying. It really is. It is, and and poor Scarlet is just kind of along, literally along for the ride. She can't fight it. Like there's nothing she can do. Mm -mm. 
and it's it's scary yeah this is when it got really scared for me I was like oh okay now I get it it's like I didn't get it all before it's like yeah your body whatever yeah you know your opinion might be changed this is how whatever. you can make someone choose you over or over their their family mm-hmm. their loved ones yeah worship you it's like a whole different kind of um stockholm syndrome you know yeah it's it's i know i've said it a million times but it's terrifying it really is it's very it's very disturbing yeah instead of doing all of this instead of you know feeling all of these feelings she tries to focus on flying because she wants to make her mistress proud Mm. so the word mistress appears Oh, so yeah, so she's even manipulating her into thinking that now she has to obey this person. Like with Cress, Cress always called her mistress. Yeah, I just assumed that was... Um, Mr. Sybil. Yeah, I just assumed that was like uh, polite, poli- like something polite to do, you know? I think part of it is, and then I think part of it is um, like forced respect, you know? Yeah. Like, like, obviously saying yes sir and yes ma'am is a respectful thing, but... It's Sybil's way of, like, reminding them that she's someone who needs to be respected. Yeah. Yeah. So she finally starts approaching Luna, but she doesn't feel any awe at all. She approaches the great crater-filled Luna with its gleaming white surface and sparkly domed cities. And she starts to think of him. Him. It used to be home to him, cities that had been his home once. And she flinches at the thought of him, but she doesn't know why. She can't remember who he is. Ah, see, and again, taking away, she's taken away her, her whole love. Like, her whole, I mean, I, I don't know what they are, but she definitely has strong feelings for him, and that's been completely taken away. And that, again, terrifying. Yeah, it's, like, hard to describe what the two yeah. of them are. <laughs> uh, they are. <laughs> it's like. It's like this weird devotion thing. Not in a bad way, because I know there's people out there that are big. I'm a big fan of their love, okay? Um, but it is a little bit weird of a, like, devotional connection that the two of them have, yeah. the whole alpha thing, yeah. right? But she's managed to to not just tap into that, but to, to disregard it, to erase it from Scarlet. Yeah. And it's it's trying to find its way to the surface, but the glamour is so powerful that she doesn't remember him. And as soon as she starts to try to remember him, she suppresses it Mm, Yeah, because she doesn't want there to be any confusion. She wants to focus on what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, this is, it's heartbreaking. It really is. It is heartbreaking. She knew precisely where she wanted to be precisely who she wished to be serving. I can't picture Scarlett ever wanting to serve anyone. No. At all. (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, do you remember how insulted she was that Gilles wanted her to serve at his restaurant? Yeah, oh yeah. This would be, oh yeah, she would not do this. This is not Scarlet at all. She's no. gone. This is... And this is why you need glamour, right? Because you could put yeah. a gun to Scarlet's head and say, fly this ship or I'll shoot you. And she'd be like, well, I guess you're going to shoot me because I'm not <laughs> yeah. flying your ship. Like, <laughs> that's why you need to be able to glamour people because there are people like Scarlet who are not going to be so easily swayed. Yeah, but Scarlet doesn't get to be Scarlet. We end the chapter with a very sad moment where Scarlet is not allowed to feel terror or fear as she approaches the moon, and she doesn't pay any attention to the tears spilling down her face. That's her body knows something's wrong, but she and her mind somewhere back there knows something's wrong, and 
This is the only way she can show it by the sounds of it. Yeah. And yeah. I want to reveal something to people who hopefully don't think I'm crazy, but let me tell your story, right? So I do have seizures. They're very hard to explain, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I dislocated my shoulder a few years ago. I guess it's been about two years now, year and a half. Everybody knows, right? I've, made, I've mentioned the story. Um, we took me to the emergency room. My husband met me there, and I managed to stay conscious for a really long time. Uh, but the longer I was conscious, and I hadn't had any food yet because I went out for a run. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning when it happened. So I went out for a run, and I was going to eat. <laughs> My friend Amy and I, who's been on the podcast, we had this thing where <laughs> – we would get up in the morning and we would run five miles and then we would go eat Cracker Carol. So <laughs> that cheese, uh, they have a restaurant where they make like, um, like just wholesome food, you know, like, like pancakes and biscuits and chicken and gravy and things like that. Nope. We definitely not have that bigger. I think of Cracker okay. Bear and I think of cheese. They do sell cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have, they sell cheese here. Yeah. They have yeah. these delicious buttermilk pancakes, and you can get eggs and bacon and all kinds of delicious food, right? Sounds um, very so American. She and I would, I'm trying to think of, like, it's like an IHOP or a Denny's or something. We have one IHOP in Niagara Falls catered towards American tourists, and we do have a Denny's. <laughs> we do have okay, a Denny's. so you do have a Denny's? I do have a Denny's, yeah. I've been so there a few it's times. It's kind of like a Denny's, only okay. better. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> uh, so... We would go and we would run like three to five miles and then we would go enjoy a nice breakfast together where we would eat pancakes and bacon and drink coffees. So this was like eight o'clock in the morning. By the time I actually saw a doctor, it was close to two o'clock in the afternoon. I had had no food. I was exhausted. My shoulder was killing me. And they finally gave me um, like a they just gave me some over the counter Tylenol. What? They couldn't they couldn't give me any actual drugs until I saw a doctor. Oh. And I ended up having a seizure almost immediately because there's nothing in my system. I had no food in there. Yeah. And I don't actually, I don't know anybody, if anybody listening who has seizures or who has ever passed out might have a similar experience to share. I'd love to hear it. I don't know a lot of people with seizures, but I don't remember a lot. I remember thinking, I think I'm going to pass out. And then I remember being in sort of like a, a, a mindless state. And I remember thinking, is Quentin out there? Does Quentin need me? I feel like Quentin needs me. And then I remember like a sharp hit to my chest. And then I remember seeing Quentin's face. And so what had happened was I had a seizure and they couldn't bring me back. Normally when you have a seizure, it lasts like 20, 30 seconds. And you kind of come to a couple minutes later, they couldn't get me to come back. They couldn't get me to snap out of it. And a, a nurse came and she wrapped her hand across my chest um, she, she sort of took her knuckles and ran them down the middle of my rib cage, kind of like a, like a stroke, mm-hmm. like the stroke of her hand. And I don't know how, but it like jolted me and it, and it woke me up. And so what was happening was Quentin was saying my name while I was in this state trying to bring me around and my hearing his, I could hear him, but I didn't have any recollection of like what was actually going on or what was happening. And so I kind of thought of that when reading this, how Scarlett is thinking of him, but not connecting it to who him is, but her body is crying because there is part of her that knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was a really roundabout way. I don't know if I made any sense. No, you made complete sense. No, I, I totally <laughs> understand. Yeah. It's, I don't, um... I don't know anybody else with seizures or, or, you know, a history of, of losing consciousness and fainting and stuff. So it's, 
sometimes it's hard for me to know if I'm describing things well because it, it feels really jumbled in my own memories. Yeah, I, I have had seizures in the past. Um, I don't remember a lot about it. I was, it was like 15 years ago and I've blocked a lot of it out from my memory because it was a very difficult time for me. But I, I actually get what you're saying because I vaguely remember something like that um, and just trying to, you're, you're thinking of someone else and yeah, it's, I think you described it very well. That's it's very difficult to, to describe and, yeah. and it's a very difficult um, experience to have, you know, I mean, like I said, I've had these my whole life and um, some are easier, some are harder, mm-hmm. but uh, it's very difficult to wake up and find yourself in a different location, you know? Yes. Yeah. And with no memory of how you got there, when you got there, that sort of thing. And so I kind of feel like that's what's happening to Scarlett, but in a different way, because she is conscious, you know, she can see things, she can hear things, she can feel things, but she herself is not in a conscious state. Um, She's not in a state where she can think or react or control or even, um, you know, other than like, natural involuntary movements like blinking breathing things like that mm-hmm. everything is being done for her yeah and so I feel like she's sort of in a, a she's not unconscious but she's not in a conscious state she's not aware of what's going on I almost feel like they've put her in like a little box in her brain and she's like trying to come out and she's just like on autopilot her, her body's just doing, like you said, involuntary movements and just doing what she it always does. And she's just sort of in this box in her brain and she can't get out. So she's yeah, in there somewhere. Like, um, uh, like a, like a trance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is that a, is that a good word for it? I think it is. I think trance. Yes. Like a trance. Like she's, there's a part of her in there that knows that she should be feeling something else, but she can't feel it. Yeah. Like there was that moment when she said she should have been uh, afraid when she heard the queen but instead she wanted to please her yeah. she couldn't be she should have been in awe of the moon when she approached it but she couldn't, but she couldn't. Um, yeah. you know she felt no fear as the moon dwarfed her uh, dwarfed the tiny ship but you know she probably should feel those things or at least anger at being captured yeah oh i can see Scar- scarlet being very very angry at being captured yeah scarlet is a very emotional passionate she really person is. yeah <laughs> I realized that this chapter was like two pages, but it, it's a very difficult chapter to get through. And yes. I do want to take a moment to talk about the writing. This is, this is magnificent writing. It's mm. very difficult to write in second person. I cannot stress that enough. Try to find a book written in second person. Think of every, everyone listening is a big book person. I know they are, right? So everyone listening, think of all the books you've read and tell me one that was in second person. I'll wait. I- <laughs> we might I'll be, be that meme. Long. I will wait. <laughs> they don't exist. They're they're very rare. They're not very popular. They're very difficult to write. They're very difficult to read. Um, and they're not nearly as enjoyable, in my own personal opinion. Um, and this is still third person. I don't want to misrepresent. I don't want to. I don't want to accidentally teach something that's not correct. But it's very close to second person um, in the way that their narration is about a person without being told from the perspective of a person. And that's only because Scarlet is in this trance. She's in this sort of state where she's not really aware, uh, where she's aware of her surroundings, but she's not aware of her own, um, existence. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. 
Yeah. And so I just want to take a moment and make sure that we appreciate the incredible writing of this chapter as well. I I appreciate it for sure. I actually, out of all the chapters of this book, I distinctly remember this one the first time I read it the most, because I remember, again, it's so sad and so, and I, the, the pennies dropped for me and how intense glamoring is and how, um, and how she wrote it. Like exactly. It's the way she wrote it is, is quite remarkable. It really is. All the things you just said. (laughs) Well, it is. And remarkable is a good word for it because, you know, like I said, it's not something you see every day. It's Um, not. And it gives us a really good insight into what it's like when someone uses this gift on you. Yeah, because I think we've seen like small bits of it, like from Kai's perspective, but this is really in depth. Yeah, and you know, let me grab my book. I'm I really want to talk about Kai's perspective in comparison. So one second. I'm on page 183 of Cinder. Yeah, I got it. She was indeed beautiful. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. if someone had taken the scientific measurements of perfection and used them to mold a single ideal specimen. Oh wow. Yes. But what's important yeah. is how he felt. Yeah. He loved her. He needed her. He'd do anything to please her. Yes. And he yes. jabs his because he knows it's happening. He yeah, jabbed he jabs his, his fingernails. Yeah, he jabbed his fingernails yeah. into his palms as hard as he could, nearly yelping from the pain, but it worked. The queen's control disintegrated, leaving only the beautiful woman, not the desperate adoration of her. Mm. And that's on page 185 of Cinder. So it, it when is. Kai had this experience, because he knew it was happening, he was sort of maybe not able to get ahead of it isn't the right word, but um, um, combat it maybe. Or, to, or try to find yes. a way to prevent, or not prevent it, but to let himself know that it was happening, I guess. But again, he's just, uh, well, he kind of changed her opinion. I'm just trying to think, like, he, she changed his opinion of her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't making him do and anything. So, but we know that, like, no. obviously we can figure out what what uh, Scarlett's opinion of Sybil is, right? Yes, So, yes. um... What I would say is that perhaps perhaps what it's doing is not just necessarily changing someone's opinion of you because it's more that they're changing um, your your personal cadence, your mood. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an extreme mood board. In the worst <laughs> possible way. Yeah. Let's get a really negative mood board. Yes. <laughs> How much can you be blue? Um, <laughs> so let's talk about chapter titles. What was your chapter title for 17? Okay. First of all, I stink at music. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really listen to music anymore. I don't have a lot of spare time. So I, I found this really difficult. I wanted to find something that was really sad um, and I wanted to find something about really, it had to be really sad and it had to be about losing your mind. And I was actually losing my own mind trying to find something. So I decided to go a different direction. I decided to go for Fix You by Coldplay um, because I felt that Scarlett is broken. I really feel this chapter, you can feel her her brokenness. And um, not that you necessarily need someone to fix you, but I'm sure that it helps, and I can just picture like Wolf say, "I will fix you" or something. Well, even just and, think um, of trying to fix yourself. Yeah, or fixing yourself. And I, I'm the there's a lyric in there that says, um, 
uh, tears stream down your face. And I think that really resonated with me as well. So, I mean, it's, I feel that it's sad and I feel that Fix You by Coldplay, I don't know. I feel that it kind of works. I think, but I'm sure you must have a much better one. I, I tried very hard with this one as well. Um, yeah. It was very, that's good. It was very difficult with this one to find the right type Mm -hmm. of song. Um, For sure. And so the song I ended up picking is more about relationships. About it's about a toxic relationship. It's called Perfect Nightmare by Chantel. But it's some Never of the lyrics it. sort of fit. So some of the lyrics keep telling myself that it's not worth it. I already know I don't deserve it, but if it's from you, I don't mind hurting. This is my perfect nightmare. Um Ooh, and the only reason I think this resonates is that part of her some conscious or subconscious part of her knows that this is wrong, knows that she should be with mm-hmm. Wolf, knows that she should feel fear, knows that she should feel terror, um, and is overcoming that. And so she's in a nightmare, but because of the manipulation that Sybil has on her, she feels like she's in a perfect bubble. And um, so I know that it's not it's not perfect, uh, but it was really all I could come up with. And like I said, this was this was a really difficult one, I think, to find the right song for. Right, yeah. So we'll see what the patron Patreon members think, I guess. Yes, I'm glad that somebody else gets to choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Becca and Ashley and I learned it's very hard because everybody kind of wants to pick their own sometimes. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I have so much more respect for you because I realize now how hard it can be. It's Because uh-huh. uh, I remember I, I, sometimes I hear and go, oh, you guys, this is totally not the right song for it. But I now really appreciate how difficult that it really is. It's very is. difficult. It's, it's and you don't want to, you, know, yeah. you know, I try sometimes really hard to branch out and I'll I'll spend hours on Google just like songs about this, songs about this, songs about this. And and it'll leave me in worse in a worse state than when I was just scrolling through my own iPhone. So, um, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what I was doing. Exactly. And I I found a couple of really cool songs along the way. Don't get me wrong. But um, it's yeah, it's I have newfound respect for that. Holy cow. Oh, and I, I I like your choice. I think your choice fits the chapter better. And I'm glad that you came up with it. Like I said, this was difficult. Yeah, it's not easy. Yes. <laughs> what was your chapter quote? Okay, my chapter quote was the bottom of 148. The conversation ended and Scarlett's ears burned at having eavesdropped. She was ashamed. She deserved punishment. Um, so I chose this for two reasons. One, this is, as we said before, this is so far from who Scarlett is. Mm-hmm. She is so gone. She's not one to apologize or to think she deserves punishment. And I can just feel her, her, her brokenness. Um, and the second reason I chose this is it kind of spoke to me personally. I mean, I'm Canadian. I'm sorry for everything. <laughs> I don't hold a door open for someone. And like hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh, what kind of person? I don't, I don't hold doors over people. I'm, I'm awful. I should be punished. And I feel like as humans, we do something sometimes even small and we feel like we need to be punished. It's kind of like our innate response. And, um, she was just being naturally curious. I mean, we are humans. We are naturally curious. So I actually got really upset with her because she wanted to, um, to punish herself. Although we know she's being glamoured, of course. But then I also got mad at me because I'm thinking, well, hang on. I've punished myself in other ways for doing a lot smaller things. So 
in a roundabout way, it's um, it just sort of spoke to me about how um, you need to allow yourself to be human once in a while and to be curious and to to be who you are and not think that you deserve punishment for sometimes for, for those things. Like and also, how can you close your ears? Like, how can one close her ears and not hear this conversation? Right? It, it I don't know make how that sense. works. Yeah. Uh, it's... <laughs> um, no, I think that's beautiful, too, because as as I've been very um, you know, vocal about on the podcast, it's difficult sometimes having a lot of responsibilities. And I often have mental breakdowns because I feel like I just can't do everything. And so I definitely understand the concept of like apologizing when you don't need to or feeling, mm-hmm. um, you know, ashamed when you don't need to or when it's maybe not necessarily deserved. Yeah. Um, you're a doll. Thank you. <laughs> My husband just brought me a Sprite, you guys. That's mm. some real love right there. That is. I love me some clear soda. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think that was a great quote, and I think it was wonderful to to mention because this is a hard chapter to read. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard especially because it's Scarlet, right? Because we as the reader, Scarlet is our champion. Scarlet is our tough girl, our, you know, our don't-mess-with-me girl. She's our, our strong one. Um, yeah. And so to see her in this state where she's so incredibly vulnerable and so incredibly not herself, um, it's very unsettling. Really unsettling. Yep. My quote was, in typical Bethany fashion, I chose just that last line on page 149. Kind of had a feeling you. It's so sad. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I thought you'd get through this one. Sorry, I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, it, okay. it needs to have the whole thing in its entirety. I will be quiet. <laughs> You're so funny. Um she paid no attention to the hot tears as they crept down her cheeks and dripped soundlessly into her lap. Oh my gosh, you guys. Oh, I know. Yeah. This, our Scarlet, tears. first of all, our Scarlet is not quick to cry. So she must be in all kinds of anguish at the moment. But also, this is just, this is a moment she's vulnerable. She's under control. She's vaguely aware of what she's doing in her surroundings, but not really how they're affecting her or, you know, how she's supposed to be feeling. And this is her subconscious creeping in. And I think that that's important to acknowledge. It's important to recognize that her subconscious is capable of sort of breaking through that barrier, even if she can't quite get there all the way herself. Oh, poor Scarlett. Can we go on to the next chapter? This is, we this can, is sad. Yes. This is depressing. It's very yeah. depressing. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now back to the show. The next chapter is so interesting. So let's get to it. Um, okay. <laughs> Sunshine and rainbows. No, it's not. No, but it's very interesting. It's, we get a it lot is. of yes, really cool is. information. So chapter it's 18, true. 
were with Cress and Thorn. We last left them. They were about to embark in the desert and try to find civilization and head towards the mountains. Mm -hmm. We're in Cress's perspective, and they are walking. Thorn is getting more confident using his cane. Mm -hmm. She's found a way to the path of least resistance. Zigzagging through all these dunes Mm -hmm. causes the least amount of exhaustion. There's grains of sand getting into her towel shoes already. I could just picture that. It just feels gross. Yeah, just thinking about it. Now, in the last episode, Aviva and I talked because I mentioned he's wearing boots. Yeah. Which means he's probably wearing socks. Why didn't he just give her his socks? Uh, That is a good question. Right? Like, obviously, it's not great to wear your boots without socks, but it would have been better for her to have the socks than these towel shoes. Maybe, hang on, maybe in the future, it's not cool to wear socks. Oh. Maybe. Probably not. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Maybe maybe in the future, shoes come with socks already in them? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But like, he's a gentleman. I could say, I could, I would think he would have done it if he could have. Yeah, or if he thought, maybe he just didn't think about it. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But, but I made the argument could, that like socks are easily stretchable. So like, obviously his boots mm-hmm. wouldn't fit her, but the socks would be fine. And at least they'd be better mm-hmm. than towels. I, I'm not sure. I, I know. I'm sure there's a reason. <laughs> it's not convenient for the plot was the reason I came up yeah, exactly. with. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so she's walking on these lumpy towels. She's got grains of sand in her towels. Her foot is cramped and her legs are sore cuz she isn't used to walking. Think about the farthest that Crest walks on a daily basis. She lives in a 200 square foot satellite. The farthest she walks on a daily basis is from her computer seat to her bathroom. Yeah, her step count is probably not high. And it's all on, like, nice, smooth terrain. It's not going up and down on this crazy sand. I've ran yeah. on the sand before. It's it's supposed to be a good workout, but really it just hurts. <laughs> but it's not comfortable. Uh, it's very difficult. It's I can very imagine. because the sand moves and disperses and then you know ends up hard underneath your feet after that and it's very uncomfortable and for someone who's not used to walking at all let alone long distances I mean I don't know how long it's been but the average human at a regular pace can walk about three miles in an hour how many kilometers is that <laughs> oh gosh um I, where's the internet kilometers. <laughs> 1.6 miles. miles is a kilometer. No. It's to two. No. 1.6 kilometers per mile. 1.6 kilometers per mile. Okay, that that makes it easier for me. I don't. We, we do we do kilometers. <laughs> I was like, up I here. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he is correct. Yeah, 1.6 yeah. kilometers. So, um, so that's 4.8 kilometers um in an hour. Okay, that's not bad. Right, but yeah. let's assume that they're going slower because one of them has never walked before, one of them is blind, and they're walking in sand and heat, right? So let's assume they're doing two miles an hour, uh, okay. which is 3.22 kilometers. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're not moving very far or very fast, no. but I really want to know how many hours it's been because I want to be able to say this is how many miles they've traveled. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I mean, if it's in a zigzag, then it's not going to be very many miles because it's not in a straight line. Like it's going. I mean, be- it might even only be like one mile an hour. Yeah, who knows? It's- so I mean, 
But let's let's assume they've been walking for like three to five hours. Okay. Let's assume that they've let it get to the point where they like cannot walk anymore because they are exhausted. Yeah, but I mean, I would actually give them more than that. If they're both young, they've got like water in them. I I mm-hmm. think they could go even longer. You know, maybe even six to seven hours. Or am I being very well? Okay, so I I run a lot. Yeah. Um. When I before my shoulder, I was running like twenty miles a week. Okay. My husband and I walk a lot. We walk almost every evening. We walk, you know, we'll walk for like three to five miles. It usually takes us an hour and a half, two hours sometimes. Um, and even though we do that on almost a daily basis, even though we both run constantly, it's still exhausting to walk five or six miles. At one point, I was walking 10 miles a day. And after like mile seven, I was absolutely beat, even though I was doing it every single day okay so i'm trying to think in their situation they might not even be um it might be worse than that yeah like yeah then the blistering heat as well yes yeah daytime when they got started well no it was the sun was setting when they got started so it is still dark out so you know it can't okay i suppose it can't be more than like six hours right or the sun will come back out yeah that's true so but it's been a lot of walking. Yeah, you know, I would, I would assume so. If they're gotten that, if they're that tired, I would assume so. I assume they they yeah. were they're they've been walking a long time. Many they have hours. Been. And I love this part where she says she didn't complain. I actually highlighted that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because she doesn't complain, and like in the next paragraph, she's talking about how she um. She's thinking about how um, Thorn, how he's not complaining and he's blind as well. And I think that um, she's really empathetic. And this talks a lot. I think it really shows how empathetic she is. Um, she's putting herself in Thorn's shoes and she's being grateful for what she does have and not complaining about what she doesn't have. And I actually read that people who are happier tend to do that. So I think, I think that's that talks interesting. A, I think that talks a lot about Cress. As a person, I know it's sort of like a small thing, but I think it, it does speak volumes about her character. Well, you know, ever but there are some things that speak volumes about your character, right? Like the shopping cart theory. What's that one? Do you have that? Are you familiar with shopping cart I'm theory? I'm not. You might remind me. There's all these horrible, horrible people in the world. When they go to a store and they're done with their shopping cart, they do not take it to the shopping cart carousel. They just leave it in the middle of the parking lot. Well, everyone does it everywhere. But it's it's a horrible thing. I've always hated it. It's even worse now in the pandemic, if, if you can imagine. And... Like, this is an actual theory? theory is that, like, you can't... Um, it's the ultimate litmus test. Okay. Or whether a person is capable of self-governing or not. Oh. Because to return the cart, is it's, easy, it's an easy, convenient task. We all know it's the correct thing to do, the appropriate thing to do. It takes, like, what, an extra two minutes of your time, right? Mm-hmm. But a person who is unable, who is unable to do this, who thinks that they don't have to do this, they're not, you know, they're it's almost savage. Okay. That they don't, and I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. This is a real theory. Please Google it. I'm not a horrible human. Okay. <laughs> I do think you should put your cart back though. 
It's just politeness, isn't it? Just common courtesy. It is. I mean, I understand if it's pouring with rain and there's other obstacles. Or like over here when there's two feet of snow and you can't physically move the cart to it. I I get it. But if it's a nice sunny day. Yeah, I was once at Target um, and I saw a mother with a two-year-old in one hand, grocery, two grocery bags, and um, one of those car seat carriers with an infant, and she still put her cart back. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. See, even those, I would think those are carriers. Took it from her. I walked over. I was like, I think you've got enough. I'll oh, do this. That's nice. Um, but so the the shopping cart theory is basically, you know, it's it it's it's the factor that determines whether or not a person is a good member of society or a bad member of society. I mean, those are two big boxes it's to be put big. in. <laughs> yeah, it's very vague. <laughs> but but it makes me think of that because it's like this really tiny 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 little thing, but it can reveal enough about a person. You know, because obviously there are extenuating circumstances, but for the most part 9 times out of 10, you should probably just put your cart back. Yeah, and most people do. Yeah. Right. Okay, okay. So the theory is saying that when if they do, okay, I get it. I get the theory. All right. Um yeah. So yeah. you're saying that Chris is very, this is a sort of similar to um, what Chris is doing. Okay. I totally, yeah. I, I see. Well, I, I was just saying yeah. like, you know, her, the concept that someone who doesn't complain and is able to empathize with others is more happy. Um, it made me think of the shopping cart thing. Yeah. Like it's this, it's this small insight into someone's character that you don't think reveals a lot, but it actually does. Yeah. That's really cool. I really like it. Yeah. And, and and I think we don't really know too much about press still at this point. And this, for me, personally, it spoke volumes, really. This little tiny, almost like throwaway, because it's just sort of small and it's sort of up there. It is, yeah. It is a really small moment where most people would gloss right past it. Yeah. Not on this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 we don't. We have to podcast. dissect everything. <laughs> You know, myself, I was trying to think of, of, was there a moment where I would have been in a similar situation? I did think of one. Uh, my husband and I flew to California a few years back to see my family. Um, my husband is over six feet tall. Um, he's a very burly man. He's a little over 200 pounds, very broad shouldered. He's just a big guy, right? I'm a small person. I'm like a little over five feet tall. I'm a little chubby, but I'm relatively small. But I hate flying because... I don't feel like I have any space to myself. I never complain about flying with my husband <laughs> because sad watching him get into these tiny little chairs on the airplane. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, he barely can bend his knees, let alone like kick his feet out. I'd kind of curl up and sleep in the chair if I wanted to. I mean, his head almost hits the ceiling when we're sitting there. Like, it's just dreadful. And so I, I never complain when I get on a flight with him because it's like he obviously has it so much more uncomfortable and he's not saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he just gets his little blanket out and goes to sleep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just like sometimes when my, when Zach is crying and being annoying at three in the morning, which he was the other day, he was up for two hours from like two thirty to four thirty, And I, I don't know why. Um, ever since he was in, been in the hospital and, um, since he's been home, I, I don't, I try not to complain about stuff like that because I, every time I go to complain, I just think about when he was in hospital and all those babies who might still be in hospital. And I just think, oh my gosh, wouldn't these parents do anything to have their baby home awake at two thirty in the morning? And um, so I, I really 
try not to complain about things like that because it I try and remember how I felt and how I um I would have given anything for that so I mean it, it's a it's a bit bigger but it's um something like that can definitely affect your yeah it can definitely affect your your psyche it really can um and that's a perfect analogy because I mean it's different because they're dogs right but like I've been feeling very connected to Scamp ever since he got back. I don't want to scold him. I don't yeah. want to discipline him in any way. I feel terrible if I leave him. I want to give him all of the treats. Just so happy to have him. Yeah, I, I get it. Yes, I'm just so happy. Like, I came home today and they had eaten a dish towel and I didn't even want to get mad at them. <laughs> they eaten the dish towel. Nice. Well, okay, in their defense, their dad will use the dish towel on food and then put it back on the stove. Okay, well, you can't do that around a dog that's half beagle, no. Right. Yeah, that doesn't work. Like the other day, he made pancakes and he wrapped them in the towel so that they would stay warm. But then when he was done with the pancakes and the towel, he put it back on the stove. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's a dirty towel now. It goes in the hamper. You know? Yeah. But he's like, well, it could still be used. It's this whole thing. But <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to discipline them because I was just so happy to come home to both dogs. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, you know, the feeling of being grateful, it can. It can change your, your viewpoint. It really can. It's like, no, I don't have, uh, you know, the latest coach bag, but I have my health. And there's a lot of people right now, especially during COVID, that don't have that right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, being grateful for the little things is uh, a big deal. And it's difficult to do. It is difficult to do, especially when you see all these people with all these things in the world and you think, I want that so much. Why don't I have it? But Oh, and the internet is terrible for it. Like looking at some of these bookstagrams, I'm like, oh. I I want these things. Yes, I want them so bad, yeah. and then you don't have. I uh, it's it's a horrible like, um, it's a, a wonderful and horrible thing what social media can represent to people. Yeah. I should say because I I love social media, but there are parts, there are aspects of it that can be I find detrimental. Yeah, I mean everyone puts the happy pictures up. Like I mean I I'm the same, exactly the same. I will never yeah. I don't put pictures of my boys screaming at me. I put the boys pictures of them when they're happy and smiling and looking so yes. cute. <laughs> you don't share the parts where they throw stuff across the house or uh, when he, he threw a Nerf. Uh, he had this Nerf gun and he hit me in the face and I, I took that thing off of him and he was not happy with me and I'm, I'm not gonna put that on Instagram but I'll put right. what happens but I mean people forget that behind closed doors those you know when you get sometimes get shot with a Nerf gun <laughs> um and well and and people people put that um I forget who and in what episode but I know Marissa talked about it at one point there's who you are and then there's the you that the you put on the social media the you that you share with the world and right now she's been having these contests for her podcast that have all been quite lovely um and one of them I, I I really hope this woman won I don't know if she did or not but you were supposed to share your writing space okay we're way off topic but I really want to say okay. this now um <laughs> and all these pictures myself included were beautiful um, people, you know, it was obviously posed. I made mine. I was like, okay, I'm going to clean the room. I'm not going to have a dirty room in the picture. Right. Yeah. Um, people were posting stuff from outside. Somebody posted that they always write on a lake and like some of it, you're like, I wonder if they actually always write on the lake or if it's for this picture. Right. Yeah. This mom posted a picture of her laptop at a dirty kitchen table surrounded by food and children. 
Good for her. And she was like, I write where I can, when I can. And sometimes it's like this. And I was like, that is the most honest picture I've seen recently. And I loved it. I loved that she was willing to be like, you know, all these places are great, but this is, but this is what's this real. is reality. This is how yeah. Actually, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's hard to deal with. And Cress's reality right now. It sucks. It's her biggest dream come true, but in, in not necessarily, you know, if a, if a week ago someone had told her she would be on earth with Thorn, she would have been like, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. But you're stranded. You have, very little food, very little water. He's blind and you don't know where you are. Yeah. It's, and you're in a desert. It makes it completely different. Yeah. It makes it so different. Their circumstances are so unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, It's, I I don't know. I, I I love press and, um, I hate seeing her go through this. It sucks. Yeah. It's, it's genuinely heartbreaking. And, I kind of wish we could get a little bit of Thorne's perspective because I want to know what he's thinking. I would right love now. to you get. Know? I want to know what he's going through in his brain. Yeah, that would be. There might be a lot of curse words. Yeah, we probably wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'd be very interested <laughs> to to see what he would have to say about this. It's um yeah, because I mean, like he's he's really trying to to be the leader, and I mean, I wonder how he's actually feeling really inside. I do too. And I like this part where she tries to she tries to feel what he's feeling. She tries to close her eyes to see what it's like to walk without being able to see. And immediately from closing her eyes, it like causes vertigo to set in. Yeah. And she even she thinks she she uh, what she say? She she keeps thinking she's going to hit a small rock. And uh, yeah, yeah, they keep slowing down, apparently, every time she does it. Yeah, so then she so stops. She stops. She's like, okay, I guess I won't do that anymore. <laughs> I can see me do that. Like, oh, let's see what it's like. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm slow. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Keep going. Right? Thorne says, let's take a break. There's no point in passing out from exhaustion. This is so brilliant, right? Like, <laughs> the world was made of more dunes, more sand, more nothing. I highlighted that, too, because this is the girl who's been in space. And there's kind of a lot of nothing in space. So for her to say that about the sand is, uh, and her, how, knowing how much she loved Earth as well, that's something. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally glad that they didn't end up in water because trying to swim is much harder than trying to walk. Um, obviously, right? Yeah. If you, if you need to stop walking, you just stop walking. If you stop swimming, you do this thing where you sink and drown. Uh, <laughs> just a thing that you do <laughs> just a thing. but so it's obviously great that they didn't land in water like she had predicted but you know when they first got out of the satellite she was so appreciative of the sand and how beautiful and shimmery and orange it was and now she's like the world is made up of nothing but sand <laughs> Uh, yeah she's she's um i think she's a little tired just just a little i i mean deservedly so right which is why they're taking a break um thorn sort of rolls out his shoulders they stretch they get a little water i'm so glad that marissa is smart right because crest goes shouldn't they ration the water which is immediately my first thought as well so thank you marissa (laughs) For taking the time to explain yeah. that it's best to drink when we're thirsty, 
and just try to keep sweating to a minimum as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have mild anhydrosis. Do you know what that means? No. It means that my body does not produce an adequate amount of, of sweat. Huh. My sweat glands are like 18% of what they should be. So, I mean, I could see that could be handy when, you know, you... It's horrible. When you're wearing a pretty dress. And I'm you... <laughs> very quick to, yeah, I'm very quick to heat stroke. Oh, that um, doesn't make it good. Yeah. Well, so it's, I'm a, I'm a preemie baby. I was born very early. Mm-hmm. Um, I have what is considered bilateralism, which is a preemie defect, sort of like, I, I didn't finish cooking, so there's some parts that didn't, you know, that are still doughy kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? So, like, for example, one of my foot, my one of my feet is, like, a half an inch smaller. My ears are the different shapes. Uh, one of my eyebrows is, like, two inches higher than the other one. Maybe not two inches. I'm being very dramatic. But there's just little, <laughs> there's little parts like that, right, like, all over my body that just don't quite match because they weren't quite done. Um, it's actually what causes the seizures that I have. Okay. But so one of the things that didn't finish uh, was my sweat glands. Huh. And so I have mild anhydrosis. Um, and so I don't sweat properly. My body only produces 18% of the sweat that it should produce, meaning, it, you know, I, I'll go for run five miles in 90 degree heat and I'll have like barely a little bit of a glisten. Whereas like my husband will go for the same run and his clothes will just be drenched. Right. So, and I actually will get heat patches on my body from it. Like my face will go red, my arms, um, my chest and my legs, I'll get like heat patches because my body is pumping the blood much faster than it can cool my body down. So it's just very difficult. But like, so for this, I'd be great. Yeah, no, you'd be great. Because you have to keep sweating to a minimum and I'm not going to sweat. So it's fine. I mean, (laughs) because... Yeah, I, I read because I looked up because I immediately I was like, I got to look this up. Is it better to not rash yeah, it? Thing. It is. I actually looked up and I said, um, you can actually survive two days without water in 100 degree heat, which is about 38 degrees Celsius. Um, and you should be rashing water while running around in heat is often. So sorry, rashing water while running around in heat is often more dangerous than lying low and hydrating as much as possible because your body um, gets tired and you don't realize it. And then you just fall down pretty much dead because you've, um, yeah, you haven't been hydrating yourself. So, I mean, I thank you, Marissa Meyer. Now I know what I'd ever do if I got stuck in a desert. <laughs> Hopefully that never will happen. Yes, and you know, I kind of wish that Ashley were here right now because Ashley, um, I mean, they make you go through all this random training stuff when you're in the military. Right. But she took this course a few years ago. She and I had a long talk about it and I don't remember as much as I should. Um, about like survival skills and they teach you all kinds of things. Like, um, like she told me there's like certain tree bark you can eat and it'll sustain you until you can find actual food because it'll have like sugar and water and stuff in it. Like pine trees are a good one. Okay. So just all kinds of stuff. And so I wish she was here so I could be like, Hey, educate all of us listening so that the next time we're stuck in the desert with a hot guy, we know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that um, sounds like a, a dream or a nightmare or both at the same time. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so he also says that they need to avoid eating uh, because digestion also takes up a lot of water. That makes sense. Yeah. And Chris says that's fine because she's not hungry. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. If he, 
stole her appetite. I totally, I'm like that in the summer. Yes, I am too. Like if I've been outside all day and people are like, let's go get food. I'm like, oh, gross. Yeah. Unless it's like watermelon or unless it's like cold food. I can't handle the idea of eating it. Yeah. I eat a lot of salads in the summer. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. Salad, fruit. Yeah. Cereal. <laughs> so after all of her fantasies about being on Earth and being with Thorn um, and being free, now she, her fantasy is to sleep. Oh, I have that fantasy every day. <laughs> I have three kids. She's fantasizing about going to sleep. <sighs> she probably never wakes up. Yeah, I'm sure every like parent can relate yes, to that. Yes, yes. I just, I just want to sleep. Just the whole night. Without interruptions would be would be lovely. Not get up at five in the morning like I was this morning. I'm trying to think of the last time I felt like I I needed to like pass out. You know what I mean? Like how um you feel like you're not even gonna make it to your bed. You're so tired. Uh yeah, I've got. Yeah, so I think the last time I felt that way was um last spring. I had. So I have a podcast, you know, which is kind of a part-time job. I, I spend a good 20 hours a week on the podcast. And then I had my job, and then I was also doing an internship, and then I had eight classes, and then I was doing physical therapy because I just had surgery. And there, it caught up with me so fast, y'all. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I might not have even survived trying to do all of that. But it caught up with me really fast, and there was one day I had I had worked at the bookshop for like three hours and then I went to my internship for like five hours and then I was in class for like four hours and at some point during the day I had also done physical therapy and gone for a run and by the time I got done with class at 9 30 mind you my office is across from the bedroom right so I'm like a hundred feet from my bed I still fell asleep with my laptop oh I could not walk the hundred feet to my room. At some point in the middle of the night, my husband came in and was like, okay, and like took me to bed. I'm very little. He can just pick me up. It's very convenient. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that was the last time I ever felt like so exhausted that I couldn't even get to sleep before I got to sleep. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've had days where, you know, the, the baby's been up all night and then I've had to be at home and awake for the other two boys and entertain them all day. And you get to a point where I, when I get really tired, I start to, to shake, I start to twitch and my husband can see it and he goes, you're twitching, you're going to bed because if I continue on this road, I will probably just collapse. So I have like a tell if I'm really, really tired. And uh, when it does happen, I know I put my butt into bed no matter what. Yeah, I kind of, um, I don't twitch, but I go like in and out. Um, like I'll go in and out of being able to pay attention. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, that makes like, sense. Like Quentin will be talking to me and I'll be like, wait, what? And he'll be like, yeah, I think you're done. <laughs> you're zoning in and out. I think out. you're done for the yeah. day. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Time to come um, But Cress, Cress manages to stay awake. And I like this. Um She's afraid that if she goes to sleep, she'll never be able to wake up again. And eventually they start walking and they have a conversation while they're walking, which is good and bad. One, it definitely will help pass the time better if you can just talk to someone, you know? Yeah. But two, it's bad. They need water. And yeah, <laughs> the talk, you have to have moisture in your mouth and they might not yes. have any. 
Exactly. But this conversation is amazing. We get so much information. Oh, yeah. This is oh, no. I so badly taking notes was like, I really just want to read like every paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> just like read a sentence, talk about it, read a sentence, talk about it. We'll be here all night long. I won't do that. I won't do that to you guys. I'm sorry. But I kind of wanted to. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> she, she asks Thorne, she says, what do you think is happening on your ship right now? And he's so proud of his crew. He's like, they can handle it. It's fine. Cinder's a lot tougher than people think she is. Wolf is lunatic crazy for Scarlet. We need to take a moment and appreciate the word lunatic crazy because, I mean, there's the pun on Luna. Because, <laughs> you know, he's a oh. lunar, right? Um, yes! It, it, that did give me a pause. <gasps> a pause on Luna. No, that totally went right over oh, my yeah, head. I, thought I was, that was just thinking of Luna today. Yeah, super cute. It's because he's Luna, lunar, ha, 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 ha. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I it's cute. perfect. I was wondering if she did it on purpose. I don't know. I want to say yeah. I would think she would. Right? Yeah. She's Marissa. I mean, she's a queen for a I reason. Think, I think she would. She'd be like, I wonder if anyone takes that. Yeah, because she could have said, like, um, like maniac or, yeah. or, or madman. or uh, She could have said loony, which would have also yeah. been, like, <laughs> a, a moon reference but no she she basically said he's crazy crazy yeah. for scarlet yeah. <laughs> but i like it because we as we were just talking about a little while ago it's very difficult to try and find the right words to explain the, the connection are. that the two yeah. of them have we're not sure yeah i don't even and he he's not even sure nobody's really sure i don't think they're sure yeah no he's not <laughs> he goes yes and scarlet is his well, I don't really know what they call themselves, <laughs> but he's a lunatic crazy for her. It's like when you're first dating someone, it's like, hang on, are we just, are we seeing other people? Are we just dating each other? Like, what, what's happening here? Are you my boyfriend? Oh, yeah. My husband and I, it was so strange. We were friends for like five years. So we went from friends to in a relationship to engage, and it kind of all blurred together. Wow. Like, even the first time he proposed, I didn't realize he was proposing. I thought he was telling a joke. <laughs> and so it wasn't until the next morning when he was like, yeah, Bethany and I got engaged last night that I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <You did? laughs> We're not getting married. What are you talking about? Like, I was terrified. But so like, and the two of them, it's even worse, yeah. right? They basically went through several near-death experiences in a two-day period and came out the other side completely I don't know, is obsessed, right? Head over heels. Obsessed in a good yeah, way. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely positive, but it's, it's it's short and it's it's hard to define. Yeah, it's very difficult to define because I feel like it's obsessed, but I don't, but I don't want that negative connotation. Yeah, it's it's you know? not it, captivated. Yes, I like it. Captivated. Perfect. Captivated might be a better Perfect. word. I like it. I should get a thesaurus out and just mess around. Um, <laughs> So Thorne is very proud. He says, like, that thaumaturge had no idea what she was walking into. I bet they're fine. Oh, poor Thorne. Yeah, no clue. Actually, he has no idea what the happened to his crew. No. They're definitely not okay. Yeah. It's, um, he's gonna have quite a shock if he gets out of this. When he gets it's, I feel so bad because he's like so confident in them yeah. when really it, it ended up so badly. 
Yeah. But, you know, Cinder thinks that he's dead and he's not. So that's good, right? A positive, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cress again feels guilty, like the attack is her fault. I could understand that. Like, I'd probably feel the same, but she shouldn't. Um, yeah. But I, I can, No, she shouldn't. Yeah. And they, they make their own decisions. They decided to come rescue her. She is worth rescuing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. She deserves rescuing. She is worthy of it. So... Yeah, definitely not her fault in any manner. Um, and Thorne asks, how did you become an earthen sympathizer? Oh, this is where it all, we get lots. Yeah, there's a lot to digest yeah. here. Basically, the rest of the chapter is just Easter eggs hatching. Mm -hmm. So much about Christ so that we much. get to learn. And this is why I'm like, I kind of want to read everything, but we have to, we have to, sorry, we have to, like, summarize, right? right? <laughs> so... We find out that her parents gave her up for dead because she was a shell, and they have the infanticide laws, which we already knew mm -hmm. about. Sybil rescued her and other shells for experiments. Yes, she almost made it sound like okay. she rescued, when she said, like, rescued, it almost sounds like Sybil like, saved them. And, I don't know, for someone who saved a bunch of kids, she's kind of a bee to them, you know? Whatever. Yeah, I wonder what a better word for rescued would be, because it says, I don't know. Well, and she also, she used them. She didn't rescue them. She used them. She like, it's like a, like a, like a salvage yard or something. She didn't rescue them. She salvaged them. She's recycling. Yeah, them. but I just find it interesting that, um, Cress used the word saved me. So I'm, I'm wondering if, um, Sybil is telling them all, oh, I saved you. Aren't I wonderful sort of thing? Um, and maybe that's what, maybe she's making them and manipulating them to um, to do what she wants them to do because she saved them. Yeah, it's like very severe Stockholm yeah. syndrome. Yeah, because not just saved her, she said Mistress saved me and raised yeah. me. So she credits Mistress for being the person that for being responsible for her upbringing, yeah. which is also terrifying. Yeah, they she lived in the lava tubes on Luna. And they had ports and access to net screens. And because of that, she got really good at hacking. Mm -hmm. And they, they're they so cute. They used the hacking for school. They got curious about school, and they used the hacking to get, like, workbooks and stuff. Well, this got me thinking as well. What are they doing in their days? Like, I guess they're not going to school. I guess, are they just doing the testing all day? Are they working? So is that what they did all day, though? Was they just, they ran experiments on them? Maybe they ran experiments. Well, like, I'm assuming that there's a lot of kids, and they'd probably need to have some sort of schedule, right? So they're, and usually these sort of places have a regimented schedule. So I'm thinking, what the heck? It does say they have dormitories. Yeah, so what the heck are they doing all day? Which makes it sound like a very um, institutionalized type of uh, place. But even those places have, you know, some kind of schedule. We'll see what they're they're doing all day like what what are they yeah there has to be some kind of system yeah. in place otherwise how are you going to control that many kids especially when you don't have powers yeah. over them so i mean i i was just i know it's silly and i because i was talking to my husband about this because he saw a lot of parallels between this especially because of the in lava tubes over um because he's from a small mining village in wales and he's thought a lot of the kids um and sort of saw the kids who were in the in the mines and he sort of thought of the mines and working through the mines and um, 
and and that sort of aspect of it, which is weird because I didn't think of that at all. I was thinking more like orphanage kind of thing, um, especially because they were in the lava tubes. Yeah, that's a that's a brilliant point that he brings up because I didn't think of that, but that is perfect. The lava, like mining, is the is the the best parallel we could probably yeah. come up with. So maybe we're just- yeah, good job, husband. Um, so you could tell him to kiss his brain. <laughs> kiss your brain so she says that at one point someone said this kid Julian said can you help me find Mm -hmm. my family and she did and they all thought they were going to be rescued oh it's so sad it was really naive Um. of course the next day mistress came and took Julian away and then some technicians removed all of the monitoring equipment so we couldn't access the net anymore. I never saw Julian again. I think I think his parents must have contacted the authorities when they got his palm. And I think he may have been killed to prove that the infanticide laws are being taken seriously. Yeah, he probably Ooh. was killed. But I actually don't think he was killed for that reason. I think he was probably killed for to make an example to the kids. Like don't you try and escape or you're going to be killed too. Well, also, I mean, there's multiple theories that I came up with. Right. So here's my theory, right? He contacts his parents and his parents are like, Oh my God, our son is alive. We need to contact the authorities so we can bring, we can be reunited with our son. Right. Or they find out their son is alive and they're like, well, he's not supposed to be. We need to tell the authorities there's a shell out there. There's a dangerous shell out there. Yeah. Either way, the authorities are going to have to prove that the infanticide laws are in effect. So my thought is what they're going to have to do is tell his family that it was some kind of hoax, right? Right. That his their son isn't real. This was a really bad prank or something, you know, because otherwise, obviously, their infanticide laws are not being enforced because he's very much alive. What about another scenario where um actually like this Mm -hmm. is before she becomes like the super um hacker that she is what if the authorities actually hacked her hack and found out that she was doing this and so they had to stop it all and so no one was actually contacted but they found out that she did this and she took her and they stopped the transmission and they found out and so them finding this was like my happy like no one find like it's not really happy but um that because I I just sort of it breaks my heart to think that um the parents would sort of tattle and say oh yeah we this kid that we thought was dead is actually alive what the heck so instead that the um they came in and and just swooped in and took away everything before the parents even were involved that was what I actually thought um No, I think that's also a really good point because I definitely just, I took so much confidence in Cress that I just assumed she had gotten through. (laughs) I mean, like, we know she's a good hacker and we know. (laughs) Yes, but, but there's, that scenario is out there in the world and we should still talk about it. So it's good to bring it up. Um, But yeah. But she wasn't hurt because of it. She didn't receive any consequences for this. And she was the one who actually infiltrated she mistress actually took uh uh started keeping a close eye on her and started using her for basically 
cyber espionage. Yep. She wanted something from her. It's the best way yeah. I could describe it. And Cress really liked the work at first because she thought Sybil was really nice to her in the beginning. And she thought maybe she was becoming her favorite. And she hoped that if she did well, she could go to Luna and be forgiven for being a shell. Ouch. So that, that's hard because Aww. it shows how deep their propaganda has gone. That she herself yes. is now, um, you know, even though she's pretty much being tortured, um, she still wants approval. She still wants acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. Yeah, it's um, and she yes. she doesn't think that she deserves to live because of their propaganda. And I just oh, it's so awful. It makes me so mad. It's horrible. Eventually, Mister Springs her work, and she can't do it. She needs to be closer to Earth, and she needs better equipment. And um, I I know you had this as part of your quote, but mm-hmm. do you want to read the part where it talks about how she designed her own prison? Yeah, okay. So, well, one day Sybil asked me to hack a communication between a couple of European diplomats, and I told the signals too weak. I need to be closer to Earth, and I required better net connectivity and advanced software. Crest shook her head, remembering how she told Sybil exactly what Sybil would need to craft the satellite for her young prodigy. Crest had practically designed her own prison. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it it hurts. That's that's my quote, because... Holy, that's awful. That is some serious cruelty... Yeah. Is there some? Is there a worse word? I feel like there needs to be a worse word, and I can't think of I don't it. Know, I'm starting to. F- but it's it's cruel. It is cruel. It's, it's cruel. cruel. And I mean, all I can do is this is why I chose it. I pictured this cute little wide-eyed little blonde girl chatting and smiling and counting on her fingers all the things that she needs, and she's just eager and enthusiastic, and she's being completely manipulated by this evil evil woman. And yeah, it's very um. It's a very, like, strategic, tyrannical, sadistic thing oh, yes. to do to a person. It's, it's absolutely inhuman. And eventually, you know, we see her, we meet her, we see what her life is like on the satellite. And I suppose you could make the claim that it's not that bad. She has some freedom. Yeah. She gets food. Yeah. She's free. She's not back getting those, whatever the experimenting yeah. was in the lava tube where she was probably bored. Um, she does get to watch earth and dramas and listen to earth and music and stuff it wasn't horrible but anytime you start a conversation with well my captivity wasn't horrible <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't really matter yeah, you're captive what matters is that you yes. were in captivity not that it wasn't as bad as oh, it could have been that's funny. yeah so it's really strange it's very disturbing um and crest didn't even realize that that's what was happening just so young and innocent Sybil came and said we're going to go on a trip and she got so excited because she thought she was going to be taken to and presented to the queen and be and would be forgiven for being a shell and would be welcomed back into society and then when they didn't go to Luna she thought okay maybe mistress knows that Luna will never be a safe place for me but she'll take me to earth and I'll get adopted by this nice earthen couple and we'll live in a tree house because she's never seen a tree before. Oh, can you imagine? I can't even imagine. Can you imagine everything that she must have gone through on that trip? Oh, man. It's just so many emotions. Like the emotional roller coaster that she must have gone through is it just, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I mean, like, she it. is such a daydreamer and she would just be daydreaming every different scenario. And I just, oh. 
I just, it's, it's so, it's so. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. It's horrible. So she doesn't get taken to Earth to get adopted and live in a tree house. She gets taken to the satellite to become the queen's programmer, hacker, spy. And she always thought if she did a good enough job, eventually Sybil would let her go. Mm, I, I don't think that she was going to let her go. <laughs> I honestly, she was going, this was going to happen. Yeah. This, maybe not this exact she scenario, but eventually Cress was going to do something that proved she was no longer necessary. Either she was going to, you know, become actually useless or outdated. She was going to learn something she couldn't be trusted with and she would have to be eliminated. Someone else would come along who did a better hacking job. And so Cress was no longer necessary. Cress was not going to live a long and happy life on that satellite, no matter mm -hmm. what. It was always a matter of what time and, and what was, what was the catalyst, yeah. you know, yeah. does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, for sure. This was, it yeah. was, it was only a temporary position until something else came along. Absolutely. And so Thorne says, well, when did you become an earthen sympathizer? How long before you decided that you'd rather try, that you'd rather be trying to save earthen royalty than spy on them? She says she doesn't know. She was always fascinated by earth and obsessed with their news and their dramas. And she felt connected to earth more than to Luna. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah Lunars like have shunned her. I get that. I have a, I have a friend who, um, who loves Korean culture. She like watched, um, someone got her like a K-pop CD once from like decade ago or so. Um, and she just became obsessed. And so she got really invested in K-pop and then she wanted their, so she went from K-pop to their television shows, to their movies, to their books, to their food. Um, and she's, she's even picked up the language and some of the cultural aspects that she's enjoyed, including in her life and everything. And so it's that, that immense, you're getting immense in culture. You're getting immense in the life around you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how people, when you move, you've moved from one country to the mm -hmm. other. So I'm sure you've picked up on different mannerisms when you move from one country to the other, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, um, I think the hardest thing is that you don't really belong anymore. Um, I don't, even though I, I am Canadian, I don't really belong in Canada and I don't, I definitely don't belong in the UK and it's always, it's, it's hard to feel that belongingness. Um, and I can see for sure why Cress would want to just, just belong somewhere. And I mean, she's never tried earth and it's really her only other option. And so mm -hmm. I can see her wanting to, and to, to be in, in a society that accepts her. And so where she can belong. And, you know, we don't know what she's watching, but she's watching some kind of, you know, TV shows. And if you think about, I'm thinking about growing up watching Friends and how badly I wanted to live in New York and, and, and go drink coffee, you know? Yeah. Um, or when I was a child reading Harry Potter and I desperately wanted to go to boarding school. <laughs> uh, and I, I desperately wanted to call people. I wanted to call everyone professor because that's just such a cool word. Why don't we use that in America? So I, I definitely could see why she would become sort of obsessed with this other alternative. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
she says eventually she felt like a secret guardian of Earth. She's 16, right? Like 15 or 16 years old. And she feels like a secret guardian of Earth. Yeah. I mean, a a lot of selflessness for such a, for any person, but especially someone so young. Yes. But I mean, you can look at the other side of it. I mean, she probably didn't feel any immediate physical danger by feeling that way. Like she's a secret. So like she's, yes, she's a secret person for earth, but I mean, the, the physical danger is not, it's, it's not really looming over her shoulders. So, I mean, well, it makes me think of, and Becca and I talked about it several chapters ago when we were there, but it makes me think of when that Canadian prime minister uh, refused to go to um, the queen's wedding and Cress didn't want to report it because she was worried that the Lunars would kill him and his family. Mm -hmm. So she just pretended it didn't exist. She didn't report it so that they wouldn't get killed. Yeah. And this man, this grown adult man who's in a a role of power, a leadership role, a position of authority has no idea that his life was just saved by, by some teen girl in outer space that no one knows exists. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely no question. She's definitely being heroic and she's definitely, she's definitely like trying to, to do her best. I just want to see if this will continue. Like, will she continue? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, when the the danger, if the danger becomes physical, is she going to run or is she going to step up and, and, and continue on this path, this heroic path that she's on? Um, We'll see. Well, because now she's not like a, a, a guardian angel. Now she's like on the, the soil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's not in a position where it's not going to, oh, I don't know. Like before she was kind of looking out over everything and yes. now she's actually immersed. Now Does she's an active sense? participant. And Active participant, yes. Yeah, and that makes a big difference, I think. I think when you're behind the sidelines, you can say, okay, yeah, definitely, I'm going to help. And then when you're in the middle, it's like, oh, what do I do? Do I help? Do I stay? It's, it's a big, and I think when that time comes, if that time comes for Crest, then we'll really see, I mean, how dedicated she is to being, what is it she called herself, an earthen um, guardian, a secret earth, uh, yeah. yeah. A secret guardian, yeah, yeah. A protector. Yeah. So, I mean, she has been, and yeah. she's done a wonderful job. Now the question is, will she continue? Yeah. Yeah. And we will have to keep an eye on that. There's still several pages left in this book. So oh, my goodness. time to find out. Yeah. <laughs> so Thorne is really quiet for a while. I appreciate that. <laughs> Eventually, he says, if I'd been in your position, and I only had one decon chip, that I could use to communicate with Earth, I would have found some dirt on a hotshot spaceship pilot and blackmailed him into coming to get me out of that satellite rather than trying to rescue the Emperor. Would he? Really? Would he? I don't know. Okay, here's my thing. I think Thorn prior to Cinder, yes. I think Thorn after having the experiences he's had with Cinder and the crew and all of that he's been through in the last couple of weeks? No. I don't know, because is Thorne capable of planning all that out? Like, 
we've not really seen him as a thinker. I feel like to, to actually <laughs> do the blackmail. No, that's a good point. He's like, yeah, he's very resourceful, but we haven't seen him be like strategic. Yeah, he and I think to pull off blackmail successfully, I think you need to have meticulous research and all the you know I's need to be dotted, all the T's need to be crossed, and I don't know if he's capable of that. I. I feel like he's an awful I suppose we could assume that if, if we were going to go, you know, super far into it, we could assume that he has Cress's hacking abilities and that's why he's okay. on the satellite, right? Sure. Okay. Just so, to play devil's advocate. Okay. So, yeah. So then in that case, then maybe, um, then uh, we're, uh, we're assuming he has the, the capability of planning this out and, you know, going through all the scenarios and making sure he's got it all sorted out. Um, but he wouldn't be the same person, I guess, because he wouldn't have that charisma. Right. Um, and that charm that we all love. There's just so many factors. There involved. is. Yeah. It, it's it's hard. Like, you can't just say, yes, he for sure can do this. He'll get away with it. Or no, right. for sure. It, it, it really depends on the circumstance. For sure. Because, because when Cinder popped in and they got out of prison... As soon as he found out who she was, he could have easily done that himself. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You and could have he called didn't. Her. Yeah. He could have easily blackmailed her. That's true. And been like, hey, I know your secret, and I know how much money you're going to be worth whenever you win this sh So, I mean, he dropped a couple of hints that they should get reward money, but he didn't come out and blackmail her. Yeah, so... So, I, I think that... I think that Thorne's first instinct might be like, how do I save myself? But I do think that he's capable of more. Okay. Does that make sense? Am I giving him too much credit? <laughs> For sure. I just think we need to see more of um, this side of Thorne. We, he, we do. He's always talking about he's a criminal mastermind. It's like, are you really, or are you just a big hearted guy? Like we don't know yet. Uh I mean, he might just be a criminal. I don't know about the mastermind part. I don't no. think he's done anything that's worthy of the not, mastermind. Not at all. I, I completely this agree. Is, this isn't some Ocean's Eleven stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this isn't like a brilliant heist. This isn't national treasure. Like, oh, I love it. You know, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him do anything that's even remotely uh, impressive. I not guess. Not at all. No. Right. So, so we'll have to see. I'm. I'm. I'm it'll be interesting to see and see and yeah. for, for you to break it down when you're doing those chapters. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'd be interested to listen. Yes. I'll be interested. Maybe you'll come back for those. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see what the rotation schedule is like. If, if, the, um, if your listeners are good with another, Oh my gosh, this has been like two hours. <laughs> like another three I hour love long it. Episode. I love it. I wish all episodes <laughs> were like three hours. That means we got really into it. <laughs> um, oh, but geez. I absolutely love her response. Yes, it's so her sweet. Her response is so amazing. She's, she's very sweet. No, you wouldn't have. You would have done the same thing I did, because you would know that the threat Levano poses to Earth is much bigger than you or me. Much bigger than any of us. That was almost my quote, because, wow, does Cress have an amazing perspective. Yes. It's bigger than her. It's bigger than him. It's bigger than all of them. Levana is dangerous yeah she um she really gets the whole big picture doesn't she yes yeah yes finally <laughs> <laughs> finally someone somebody, does. finally 
finally a heroine who gets the pic- the big picture and has a sense of self-preservation. Where have you been, girl? <laughs> Yay, we got them. But Thorne says, nah, I still would have blackmailed somebody. Oh, funny. And that is the end of chapter 18. Oh, my goodness. And... Uh, Oh, wow. Very interesting chapter. I love chapter 18 so much more than chapter 17. Well, we find yeah. out so much information about Kress. I love it. And you don't come away from the chapter thinking that you want to go, you know, crying to a pillow. No, you come away with it like, like, I don't know. I feel kind of elated getting so much information about Yeah, I feel, I feel informed. I feel like I know Kress a bit more. I know Thorne a bit more, actually, just thinking right? about just it a little bit. Right, just from his responses yeah. to her. Yeah, or his not responses like, as well. Like, for example, when she stopped talking, he didn't respond to anything that she said. Yeah, he sort of kept her going. Yeah. He was like, and that's when you became the programmer? Yeah. Like, he wanted her to keep talking. He wanted to learn more. He yeah. wanted to hear more. This is why I want to hear what going on in his head like what is he thinking is he thinking this girl is cray cray or is he thinking like, <laughs> this girl, this girl is, is so brave yes yeah. i want i would like to know what he's 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 thinking maybe a little bit of both maybe probably both <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's crazy but it's still heroic <laughs> a crazy heroic isn't that all, isn't that what most heroes are um right yeah <laughs> So let's talk about um, what was your song title for okay. chapter 18. This one I had a little bit more confidence in because I once I chose it, I was like, yeah, this is definitely it. This is how I feel. So I chose Alanis Morissette, another Canadian. I have sort of put that in. Um, you live, you learn. And the whole I felt like the whole theme of this chapter was about Cress's innocence. And um, I, I felt like throughout the chapter she was chastising herself for her past naivety. And I just want to shake the book and tell her it's okay to be young and it's okay to be experiences and innocent. You live, you learn. It's how we all live. It's how we all, it's how we all learn. <laughs> but like some of the lyrics are, um, you live, you learn, you love, you learn, you cry, you learn, you lose, you lose, you learn, you bleed, you learn, you scream, you learn. Like it's okay to be innocent. It's okay to make these mistakes because you do, you grow from it. And I just really felt that whole chapter was about that. And I just wanted to, to shake her a little bit and say, it's okay, dude. You, it's okay to make these mistakes. And honestly, they're not really mistakes. They're just learning curves. So that was my, yes, they are. That was my song. I like it. Cool. Um, so my song, I thought of almost immediately. As soon as she started talking and telling her story, I thought of The Story by Sada Ramirez. Beautiful song, beautiful singing voice. Yeah. But the song is about your story, you and yourself and your story and what story you have to share with the world and what story you have to tell. And I really want to say the words to the whole song, but we're not going to go there. But some of the words that stuck out to me personally, I climbed across the mountaintops. I swam all across the ocean blue. I crossed all the lines and I broke all the rules. But baby, I broke them all for you. Okay, I get that it's a little different. They're walking across the desert, not Mm -hmm. swimming across the ocean. But she did cross all the lines. She did break all the rules. Mm -hmm. And the only reason she's even in the sand right now is because she did those things for for, for Cinder and the crew and everything. But, yeah, for the man that she's obsessed with and has this huge press on. Yeah, but um, she also did it for herself in a way, too. yeah, Yeah, she did it for herself, too. 
And and so that's the main reason I thought of this one is all of the all of these lines across my face tell you the story of who I am. So many stories of where I've been and how I got to where I am. And I thought of that that song in general I really like, but I just thought of how this is Cress telling us, telling Thorne her story. Okay. This is her opening up and telling him, this is my story. This is who I am. This is where I've been. And this is how I got to be the person that I am. This is how she got to be the earth and sympathizer who risks her life to rescue random fugitives in outer space. I don't actually know the song, so I'm going to have to go listen to oh, it. It's beautiful. Is it? Um, I, I, I tell you, I'm suck. I don't know any music. I'm yeah, really bad. It's not my thing. Books are my thing. I can talk about books all day. But, um, yeah, music's not my thing. I tried. <laughs> I'm going to – I'm, like, getting a link right now because you should hear okay. her sing it live. I actually it. meant to, to – when you sent me the notes, I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to f- listen to it before I, I talk to you. And yeah, I, I... See, I did know your – I knew both your songs, but normally if I don't know the song, I will take the time to go and listen to it. And if nothing else, I'll look up the lyrics. Um but yeah, I just sent you the link so you could listen. To. I sent you the live so you could hear her singing live. Okay. Um, but it's a really good song. Um, and Patreon members will get to vote on which one wins for the chapter title. But either way, go listen to both of them. They both work. Yeah. Um, what was your chapter quote? I know we already read it, but let's talk about it anyway. Right. <laughs> I think I already sort of said everything I wanted to say about it. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And we did talk about it a lot, but I still think it was it's worth it. It's a good quote to have. I think I might have picked that one. But I was also tempted to pick, you know, where she says that it's bigger than her and Lavana and everything, you know. So my quote was, after a while, I started to pretend that I was a secret guardian and it was my job to protect Earth and its people from Lavana. Page 155. I just love that she thought of herself that way that like Thorne said she could have easily done so many other things to save herself and instead she took it upon herself to not get sucked into the evilness of being a lunar spy and not and instead she took it upon herself to be an earthen sympathizer as he calls her and to actively seek out ways to protect the people of earth she's a good person she is. She's genuine and authentic, and I love it. So in this week's chapters, we had one egg, one hair, and one captain. Uh, next week, we will cover chapter 19. Becca, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? If they want to be bored to tears, then yeah, sure. <laughs> I uh, My Instagram handle is Becca the Librarian, but... It's not really library stuff. It's like cute pictures of my kids. So, <laughs> like, sure, be bored to tears. You can follow me. <laughs> right. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like seeing funny. pictures of people who are happy. And they yeah, me feel happy. They're nutty. Did you have fun? Because I had so much fun. I had so much fun. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just looked it up, and the longest episode was a little over two hours. So I think you won. I think. I think. Oh you my did gosh! <laughs> I'm so sorry if I bored you all to tears. Perfect. You just like you're a Prince Kai fan pod legend now. You have a record. 
Woohoo! <laughs> Legendary wow. Becca, the Canadian. <laughs> yeah, the Canadian. The Becca Library. I got a lot of labels, I guess. That's funny. Well, I was thinking of because How I Met Your Mother, they always talk about Legendary. Oh, okay. Did you watch that show? No? Okay. I have not, no. <laughs> I know of it. <laughs> I haven't watched any, a lot of it. But thank you very much for being here. This was a lot of fun. This was amazing. I hope that you stay a Patreon member and can come back in future episodes. That'd be a lot of fun if you'll have me, sure. I would love to have you. Or if you ever want to do a bonus episode. Okay. Yes. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so stay happy and safe in uh, Canada. Okay. <laughs> we, we will try. We are pretty happy. You guys people. are doing great up there. Uh, well, sure. You're doing your best. <laughs> We're doing the best that we can with what yeah. we've got. Yeah. <laughs> so until next time, everyone, keep listening, keep reading, and don't get glamoured. Can I say it? Yeah, say it. Yay! Don't get glamoured. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye, Beth. This has been great. This is wonderful. Thank you okay. for coming. No worries. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Press by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Becca the Librarian. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. Thank you.